everyone it's game face episode 55 on sifted games still working through our equipment a little bit yeah <laughs> having to break things down and bring them back every time you're always going to get weird problems yeah unfortunately we're still waiting for some security stuff to get sorted out here at our studio so basically what we're doing is we're like unloading after every show and then loading everything back in and then inevitably we have to set everything up again and then we thought we had everything ready to go like an hour some before button, the show started. Some button got pressed in the bag that you didn't <laughs> know was pressed. It's, it's yeah. So anyway, sorry for the delay. Those of you who are waiting on the stream for us to get started, thank you very much for your patience. But we are here and ready to rock. Ready to rock your long weekend if you're in the United States. July 4th weekend, everybody yep. gets a nice three-day stint. Hopefully plenty of time for you guys to play some games and... Hopefully in this episode, we can help you guys figure out what games to buy for your long weekends so you know where you can spend your cash intelligently. We're definitely talking about pretty much all the big games that came out this week. Um, surprisingly, some good games. A couple of them, yeah. Yeah. Some ones maybe a little disappointing. A tad. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll get into it. Yep. So if you're hoping to uh, see us talk about all the big games of the week, you're in luck. We are definitely going to do that on the show. Uh, not a bunch of stuff to really talk about. The industry is slow as hell right now. We finally have hit the post E3 lull slash summer doldrums. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, July is almost completely dead. It is. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna have to work hard to put together episodes of Game Face and uh, maybe Ho the... hopefully some drama yeah. will happen in the industry. We'll make some <laughs> some leavings, some some firings, some hirings. We can hope, but yeah, just like curating, like the amount yeah. of content that's coming into our admin every day has decreased like significantly, obviously since E3, but even since the period of time right before E3. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's taking vacations right now. Our, like, our viewership, like you can see that people are like out doing stuff, which is great. That's exactly what you should be doing in the summertime, out enjoying yourself, enjoying the summer. This week, it finally felt like summer in LA. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about living here. It's like the seasons come and go, and like you never really know. Well, this is the first summer that's felt like summer in LA for several years. I mean, it's been Seriously. dark and gloomy and weird for, <coughs> ooh, for several... Bless you. And the allergies are in, in season as well. No, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. But like, it's been like weird and cloudy and cold like for most of the summer here for years. Yeah. And um, uh, this, this feels like summer in L.A. when we first moved down here. Again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it too long because obviously this isn't a weather show. Right. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, it, yeah. but it does create a concern when you're running uh, your PC and, and it's just like, wow, it's running hot. Oh, it's because it's already 110 in here. Good job, well. Matt. Way to tie it yeah, into games. That's, Excellent work. Yeah. <laughs> But it does finally feel like summer in L.A., which gave me like a little bit of a kick in my step, and uh, sometimes you need a little, a little bit of that to keep it going. But uh, only one thing to mention before we get set off, uh, if you guys, you know, some people may not have watched the show last week, crews are live. They're private forums uh, that you can join, or you can create your own, and other people, you can invite other people to them, or people can join them. Uh, I think there's 20 crews or something like that. I know I'm a part of like 10 crews right now. One of them's like an NFL crew. We've been talking about uh, getting together a fantasy football league. If you're into that, jump in the crew. It is open. You can just join right up and become a part of the Sifted Real Fantasy Football League that we're going to do this year. Um, and then achievements that we're working on. They're getting really close. Uh, one of our most dedicated users, Vin Hill, is creating the uh, icons for our achievements. They're looking really good. If you guys didn't know, Vin is a very, very talented artist. 
Um, he started working on them. I thought it was going to take him like a month, and he got like almost all of them done in like a day. So those are coming really soon. Uh, there's some really cool achievements that are going to be a part of the site. Uh, like I said last week, some of you guys are going to get lit up like a Christmas tree whenever we launch them. You're just going to get one after another because they are retroactive uh, based upon your activity since you've been a part of the site. So I think that's it, though. Otherwise, there ain't hell going on, people. Thank God there were some good games coming out this week to help fill out the show. I think it's going to be a good one. We'll find out. Let's get to the big six. All right, Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. um, I have not had time to play this. Um, I reached out to you, yeah. and I was like, Matt, I had assumed you were already playing, because yeah, you're well, like the biggest Star Wars fan well, I would fan have been if I hadn't already. I only got back into town uh, yesterday. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, I did play it last night and some today. Um, it's interesting. It's weird. Like, every complaint I'm I have... I'm just going to start by saying... I'm not really a big fan of the Lego games. No? No. Like, I, I played the first, like, three or four of them literally, like, mm -hmm. eight or nine years ago. I, I like them. Saw they were all kind of the same and never really went back. I like them. Uh, I, you know, platinum to several of them, or, you know, thousand of a thousand, several of them. Yeah. Uh, sometimes against my better judgment. <laughs> um, I really What's your favorite one so far? My favorite one? Batman? No. No? No, I didn't. I Batman 2 was good, but I think... My favorite is still Lego Star Wars: The Complete Saga, really? the original. Like I, I, I can here, see that. Here's the thing: like, I like this game. Uh, I like Force Awakens. Um, although I do agree with much of Film Crit Hulk's uh, criticism of it, which he, he Film Crit Hulk is the uh, he's on BirthMoviesDeath.com and he is the uh, best film critic writing today, in my opinion. What's his name? Film Crit Hulk. Okay. He's a film critic who writes in the persona of the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> so he writes all in caps. He's and he never going to work for the New York Times. No, and he refers to himself as Hulk, not I. Right. So he's like, Hulk thought this movie was da-da-da, that kind of thing. But is he, he in the mind frame of what the Hulk would think no, about? No, other okay. than that, he is just himself. But I, I, he has to be someone in the industry. He's someone yeah. who does work in the industry and doesn't want to be known as someone right. who... Because he's got some real incisive commentary and a lot of his write-up is about how jj abrams is a terrible director <laughs> in terms of making a movie that will last longer than like a piece of candy right uh and it's a good that's a valid criticism yeah. i like force awakens but yeah. it's a valid criticism it's like it's not it doesn't have a lot of substance to have it. have you watched it again since it made its way to like vod did you buy the blu-ray yeah, I, I have the blu-ray i watched it on blu-ray i still enjoy it it's like uh, as JJ said, it's delightful. Yeah. Like it, every moment is delightful. But is it about anything? Not really. Not, no. not really. Like there's not there's no there there to yeah. some degree. I really Which liked is, it, but you know I yeah. I, I, I mentioned on the show before that there's several things. It's that a great adventure me about film. It. It's yeah. not a great Star Wars film in terms yeah. of something that you're going to look back on 30 years from now and be like that movie still does something Some people for me. say it's the best Star Wars ever. Well, because I've seen a lot of people say back, that. It got back to like what we loved about Star Wars and made it okay to like Star Wars again. Um, it it jettisoned the prequel ideas basically completely. Yeah. No reference to the prequels outside of a couple of flags and like a clone trooper mention. Yeah, yeah. And like it just it, it just you know, it took all the original trilogy stuff and it was basically a remake of the original movie, right? Yeah. Um, with a few it really is, bigger yeah. bells and whistles and, you know... Obviously this, better effects. Right. This time the, the, the orphan on the desert planet doesn't want to leave the desert planet. Right. It's totally different. <laughs> um, but, like, that's kind of why it surprises me. I guess it doesn't surprise me from a standpoint of, like, they want to make money. It surprised me they made this game already. Yeah. Because it feels like you probably should have waited until all three of them were out, yeah. right? Because they're um, trying to squeeze or stretch mm -hmm. 
like a two-hour movie into a ten right. to whatever hour. Well, game. So here's the thing: um, the way they did that is they added a bunch of stuff uh, that's not in the movie. Is it so canon considered by Lucas? Anything that's put out in into the media world is supposedly canon, and I think it's based on like other other sources in the in the. It's not even the expanded universe anymore. It's just Star Wars now. Yeah. But so there's like a level where it explains, like, I think there's one where it explains how Han got that ship that he's on. And there's a level that explains how they rescued Admiral, Admiral Akbar between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. You know, it is a, it's stuff that takes place in that 30 years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Right. And the, the game opens with this huge, crazy remake of the Battle of Endor from Return of the Jedi. Where, you, like, it, it's, you know, because, like, Last time we saw that was basically you know the original Star Lego yeah. or the second Lego Star Wars right the yeah. first one was the prequels, um, and it was fine you know it's cool it's fine but this is like it's with the new engine it's with it's on the next gen system it's with everything Lego Traveler's Tales has learned since then and incorporated into it and like it's probably the best version of Battle of Endor like Ever, since the games. since Rogue Leader yeah. you know I mean there's no there's all that ground stuff so there's more, but and it's like it's weird like there's stuff they've added I, I think that came up in the Clone Wars one that has been kind of intermittently used. It seems like, odd to have that in this game though. Well, it's because so much of it ties back to you know Kylo Ren's obsession with with Vader and right. finding Luke and all that like a bit I mean, of a stretch. It's a stretch <laughs> for sure, but like once you're when you're flying through the the tunnels of the Death Star too, you don't really care. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that part's fun. Uh, you know, and, this, and it's, I mean, they've recorded new dialogue with a lot of the actors for like the scenes that. You like know, they really have Harrison Ford for. Oh yeah, we're using him from the movie, but like, um, I think the only characters I think really had their actors come back were the were like Finn, Ray, and Poe, and maybe Kylo Ren. I haven't heard yeah. any new dialogue from it. The weird thing is, is like, the audio. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of of the Lego games using um, you know movie audio in. Non-original stuff. Like I didn't mind it in Lego Batman Two, where it's original story, so you kind of needed. You decided to use voice acting to kind of get stuff across. Yeah. But when they're just taking audio from the movie and rerunning it, you know, it's, it feels weird to me. And they do that a lot. Of, but they also do it with like you know original voice. And like all of Daisy Ridley's original new lines sound like they're recorded in a car that was moving on an, on a phone. Really? Like, <laughs> like it, it's like it sounds very weird and distant and hollow. I was surprised. There's, there's some like presentational. Issues on this one, yeah. I, I would say. Um, here's the thing: like, it's super solid. Everything works fine. I hear there's a lot of bugs in the PC version. I'm playing on the PS4. Um, tons of characters, including J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I saw dad. that yesterday. Um, there was a video on Sifted. Tons of weird things to do. Like, every, nothing's just hold the button and do it anymore. Everything's got a process to it now. Um, you know, there's these weird little like cover shooter sections that I think came from Clone Wars. And How is that? It's fine. The cover shooting works okay. I mean, it's not like Gears of War level, but it's like it may, you know, you, you go back and forth, you take cover, you hold the button, pop up, shoot the thing, duck back down. If you don't die during the during the sequence, you get like a gold medal and like you get a bunch of extra studs to, uh -huh. to for your for, to spend on crap. Um, Has there ever been cover shooting in a Lego game? I want to say there was. There in, was. There was something similar in the clone. I don't. I don't. I don't. I feel like it's not new to this, but I haven't been like really keeping up. I don't up remember with the ever Lego seeing stuff. it before. I thought it was in the Clone Wars one that was, came out a few years ago, but I might be wrong. I never played that, so I, I'm um, not an authority on that. Uh, so it's like. Um, Okay, yeah, SMC92, and it's saying they rewrote and re-recorded some scenes. Uh, 
Ray's dialogue is definitely recorded in a tin can. Yeah. Like it's it's <laughs> not acceptable. Uh, it, it's very different from Poe's and uh, and Finn's. I thought like it, it was even the stuff taken from the movie. It sounds different to me on my sound system anyway. And it's it was even my girlfriend was walking through. Was like, what the hell is wrong with Ray's voice? Like yeah. it was very noticeable huh. to me. Interesting. Um, so uh, how could they screw that up? I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> That's such a simple thing. It's, it's, the game looks really good. It does I mean, look really again, good. Again, I haven't played a lick of it, but just looking at our gameplay, like it's sharp. I mean, yeah. and that's kind of like it's weird. It's like that on one hand, that's a positive, and on the other hand, like I feel like the Lego games are starting to get, they've gotten so far away from that like simplistic charm they had once that yeah. like it almost looks too good. Yeah, and like almost nothing because it made doesn't of Lego really look anymore. like Lego. Yeah, no. it's like got real grass and like real stone. Like there's a couple like... points in this where I'm just like, why don't you just make everybody look like real people and just make a Star Wars game? Well, point? it would be a lot harder to animate the the people. True. Than what they're like, doing they're here, like halfway but... there already to some, on some of these things. The they're... world's the easy part, and we'll talk about that a little bit with another game we're going to discuss mm-hmm. in this in this episode. You know, it's. The world is easy. The atmosphere yeah. is easy. The people are always the challenges. But and the more technology yeah, goes on, I'm pretty on, sure I know which one you're, th- you're, you're talking about. The more technology goes on, the more difficult it becomes to not have that uncanny valley effect. And uh, I mean, I, w- I think this game would probably look awful if they actually tried to put real humans in it. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. Like it doesn't, you know, if you can't see the character, it almost doesn't even look like or any bolts flying. It doesn't really look like a Lego game. Like. Mm-hmm. Like there's the objects like here, like where you yeah, build these objects into, and you can yeah. choose which one to build, and that's like part of the puzzle solving. But like the worlds they're in just don't look like they're made of Lego anymore. And well, it's, they're not. It's that's weird. real grass, right? But they there. used to. You know, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, they, yeah, totally. And I mean, I will probably finish this one, which is something I can't say about like Lego Batman Two or yeah. you know more the Avengers that just came out. Like you know, this is definitely more compelling. I think Star Wars, for whatever reason, just lends itself to the Lego idea. Yeah, really well. It's, well. More, it's even more in your wheelhouse. I mean, Star Wars. If you had to choose between seeing a new Star Wars movie or a new Batman movie, which one would you go see? Oh, that would be Star Wars. Yeah. But if you said a new Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, I might think twice. Right, right. Um, but the, the Marvel, the Marvel Avengers one did not grab me yeah. earlier this year for whatever reason. Well, it was by all accounts, and again, I didn't play that one either. I haven't played a Lego game in forever. But by, if you looked at reviews and listened to podcasts and things like that, mm-hmm. people basically just said it was a cash in. And it yeah, I mean that was that was well. The other thing about uh, the, the Avengers one, at least to me, was like there are a lot of points in that game where I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, yeah. like there were points where I was like, yeah, in a Lego game, and running around and like, you know, oh, I didn't destroy the right thing, or I didn't hit this thing enough times, or whatever. I noticed in in Force Awakens, there's specific dialogue whenever you're like, whenever you do something wrong or you do something that like you're wandering away from the place you're supposed to be, they're like. Maybe you should do the da 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 da, you know. Right. And so it's like you don't get stuck like that. Yeah, like, but, yeah. you know, but that wasn't part of Avengers. And Avengers, I, I it got to the point in Avengers where like when a new level would start, I'm just like, what stupid thing do I have to figure out how to get past now? You know, like, <laughs> like it just made me annoyed. Yeah. And, uh, but like Force Awakens has not done that at all. Force Awakens, it's like enjoyable to go to a new area every time. And like other Lego games, I'm assuming this is 100% linear. You just take um, one mission and you know, after yeah, another. I, or if not, then I don't. know. I mean, you can. You gather the gold bricks, which are like the big collectible, yeah. and then like you can find the the, the bonus levels to sort of tell the between trilogy stories. Like you'll find like the characters standing around, like C three PO's at the resistance base, and he's like, "Give me ten gold bricks, and I'll tell you the story of how we rescued Admiral Akbar." Or like right. the the guy that uh, Max Max von Sydow played, the the old guy at the beginning of the movie that you never learned anything about um, before they blew up his village. 
Like he he has a level you can go in after after you finish that level and go him he'll, he'll like tell you about like what I guess whatever he however whatever he did to like figure out to get the thing that tells you where Luke is that you, that he gives to to Poe. Yeah. Um, but like so that's how, so yeah you can kind of go on these side stories but the actual main Force Awakens story is just like jump here 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 and of course you can stop and go back and free play and jump to other planets whenever you want but like we like anyone any Lego game it's like. Eh, pretty much just play through the story so you can go back because that's kind of annoying now it's just like I know I can't get anything in this you know getting like three things in this level but everything else requires like free play with the other characters yeah, and their abilities other characters and all that back stuff it, yeah. and, uh, and, and I get I get kind of like kids love that crap oh, yeah. though <laughs> yeah, but I, get, I, I also get like obsessive about getting like the you know you have to collect enough studs and you get like true Jedi or whatever you know the, yeah. you get that mo- and I get kind of like Fixated on doing that at every level, even though I know that, like, by the time I go back, I'll have all these red bricks that give me like twenty-five times or fifty times the number of studs. So I can, I'll, you'll get like the true Jedi thing if you pick up like four right, at the very right. beginning when you go back. But I still just like that that little thing in my little, you know, little dopamine processor in my brain is just like get the, get it now. <laughs> um, Either you got it or you don't. So I'm enjoy. I mean, I'm enjoying it. Like. Um, and the, the vehicle stuff is a lot of fun, and there's, you know, it, it's it's the culmination, like I said, of everything they've kind of all their new ideas they've come up with in all the other games over the years that I didn't really want to play, yeah. and now they've sort of put them in this game I do want to play. So it's kind of a if you haven't played a Lego game since like say Lord of the Rings, like you're probably in for a treat because there's a lot of new ideas in this one to you, but they've kind of come from all these other interim games. It's a culmination of the last yeah. few games. And, I, I mean, you can't say... That, I mean, it's funny, because it's like, yeah, I get why people are tired of them. It's kind of, you know, they repeat the same thing over and over again. But at the same time... Most of the reviews I read, they were like, you know what? This formula is wearing thin. I, it's threadbare. I see that. I, I get that. Um, it's like, you know, like any of these games, it's like, you got to be a fan of the property, property they're doing. Yeah. You know, and if you're not, you're not going to get anything out of it. The Lego Hobbit game did nothing for me. Um, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean didn't care. You know, uh, like... Uh, Lord of the Rings forced myself through it to, to some degree. I think that degree. was the last one I played, actually. I played that one to like full thousand of was a thousand. Was that five years ago? Six years ago? At least. Yeah. I mean, well, that's that, the last one I played. That, no, that was more than that, I think. Yeah. I mean, that came out like when I was uh, still on X-Play. So yeah. that was, I think that was like 2011, maybe. It's been a while, it was, yeah. it was It was some time ago. Yeah. It was before The Hobbit. So, yeah, for sure, so. yeah. And that was like one of their earliest open, like open area, you know. And then they crafting and stuff. And that, like, there's some, there's a, there's some, there's some depth. All the in other there games are starting there. to creep into it. All the other genres. And yeah, um, I'm waiting for the real time strategy scene and the, you know, the <laughs> tower defense scene. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's already happened. In yeah, you're probably play. right. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I was like, basically, I think the only thing I can say about this game is like, if you're interested in it. You'll probably like it. Do you think there's enough content though to see it? There's a lot through? of content in this game. No, yeah. I mean, but like based up, like you were saying earlier about how they're kind of like filling in gaps in the mm-hmm. story and stuff like that. One, is that done in an interesting way? And two, do you see yourself like ten? A- how long have you played it? Like five, six hours, something like that. I'd say five, yeah, about five hours. Do you see yourself five hours from now feeling like? Because I mean, look, they're trying to squeeze that movie for everything mm-hmm. it's worth and get. You know, ten hours of experience out of a movie that lasted two hours. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I mean, they, it's not that much different from what they did with um, the original movies, and you know, they, they did the three. They sets usually of they have six. like the three movies for the one game, right? But it's like they're really sort of making these into you know, it's like oh, they made a whole like open world area out of escorting 
Poe to the prison ship, yeah. you know, which happens off screen in right, the film. Right. So, but it's still like there's stuff to do, there's things to find, there's you know, it, it, it's still something. And so they they are padding it out, but it doesn't feel too bad. And because they were able to record some new dialogue with the the actors, like there's you get, value you get a little more, yeah, you get a little more character interaction. Um, uh, it makes a little more sense in that regard. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just liked what you know as as much of a remake as it was, I liked what that movie had to show me, and like I liked the I, you know, John Williams is great, and like in these movies, these games live or die on the music for some sure, degree. yeah. And especially before they talked, um, it was yeah. basically a mime <laughs> show with the movie soundtrack, You're right? Yeah. Um, and like the, you know, it's actually kind of given me a new appreciation of the Force Awakens soundtrack, which I didn't really pay much attention to when I saw the film. Um, but there's a lot of good work in there. Uh, and it's you know, it's funny. There's a lot of weird little throwaway things. They, is it uh, as comedic as? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, that if, is a big part of these. Look, games. if you if you love Return of the Jedi, you should definitely play the beginning of this game. Uh, not only because they do a really good job of making the Battle of Endor in their new modern tech stuff, but I like the witness. Yeah, but <laughs> but, yeah. but there's a uh, there's actually a pretty good. Uh, apparently, Traveler's Tales not the uh, I guess they're TT games now, right? Yeah. But uh, I guess they're uh, they're also not huge fans of the Hayden Christensen as the Anakin ghost thing. Oh really? There's a couple of shots at that. Oh wow. There. And um, Luke, Lucas let him through. Lucas can't say anything about it. Yeah. No, I don't mean like George. You mean Lucasfilm? Lucas yeah, yeah. I think Lucasfilm is aware yeah. of of the reality of the situation. Yeah. Um, so, you paid full price for this. You bought it. I did. Do you well, feel, I mean, are you happy with your purchase? I paid like Amazon Prime, right? You know, twenty percent off or whatever price. Yeah. I'm happy with it. I mean, uh, who would you recommend this for at full price? You, you love Lego games and you love Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Like that's it. Like, yeah. Like it, you, you got to be on board already. It's not going to convert you, and it's not going to make you any. Do you need to love both of them, or just have a pass? If you have a passing interest in Star Wars and you love Lego games, will that is it worth it? I I think uh, Lego games are at their best when they're Star Wars. So yeah. I think if you just liked the movie but you just love those Lego games, this is again I think one of the best expressions of the of the formula. Um. I just find it more satisfying than like when they, you know, because it, it was the original and like they've added a bunch of new things to it. But uh, I think it works best when you got a lightsaber and a blaster in your hand, frankly. Um, yeah. And everything else seems to kind of be filling in the gaps when you don't have a lightsaber to play with on the other games to me. Um, and the new content is interesting. You know, I, I am just as a Star Wars fan, I'm interested in any kind of new story information about this new timeline section that you know the Disney era has created. And so I like those little bonus levels and stuff. I can see myself getting at least enough gold bricks to unlock all those bonus levels because I'm interested to see what those are. Gotcha. Um, and some of it's funny and like it, it's, you know, it's it's got the Lego charm. It's just I've played so many of these that at this point I'm sort of like, well, like do you do it? You know, it, it's never recaptured. It's, you're chasing that dragon it when is, you first yeah. when you first played <laughs> the Lego Star Wars games, and you're like, this is such a good idea, yeah. you know, and, and like. It's never going to be that again. Yeah, they still sell really they freaking do. well, man. I'm surprised how long they've held up. I think it's because a they're lot so of reliable. Kids. I think that's one. I think parents know yeah. that they can trust the games, not just to be safe for their kids to play, but they know the kids are going to freaking love them. Right. Because kids, they don't get tired of repetitive gameplay. Like oh, they'll sit there and mash a button for days on end, I like doing you, the I, same I, thing over and I over. I told you, I, wanted, I 
gave uh, my old gaming laptop to my niece for her birthday when I was up north this week, and she uh, the game she wanted was Spore. Yeah, you've never <laughs> seen someone so you excited. Them. You've never seen someone so excited to get Spore in her life. I'm and surprised that so, a kid that young even knew Spore existed. She's into retro games. Oh, and by retro games for someone for a kid. That's it's, Spore. It's, like, it's something that came out in 2008. That's hilarious. You know? um, but she uh, she played that game for like 10 hours. Wow. The day she got it, and she loves it. And so I'm just like, well. Somebody liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you should give her black and white next and see if she likes that. That's not a bad and idea. And then follow that up with like Daikatana. Just give her like all these terrible all games and see if she can like she likes it. She'll be them. like my test guinea pig for like, let's see what people think if they don't know there was hype yeah, behind yeah. these games. <laughs> so Do you think you if it do you think you'll find yourself playing another Lego game if it's not a Lego Star Wars game? Honestly depends what the what yeah. it is, you know? Like I will probably try any Batman one they want to yeah. throw at me because I think those have gotten better and better. Yeah. Um, I wonder what else. I mean, maybe I wouldn't play like a Batman versus Lego Superman Deadpool. One. <laughs> that already has the humor baked in. Yeah, well, that won't happen because no, it's M-rated. Yeah. Well, yeah. Other than that, plus it's M-rated. So. Yeah, I wonder what. I mean, I'll tell you the thing. The Lego game I've always wanted to see that apparently is never going to happen is uh, uh, Lego James Bond. Yeah, that would be good. Um, which just seems like it's made to order. Or what about uh, like Lego Nintendo? Like, imagine how much money yeah. they'd make if they made a Lego Nintendo game. That would be good. Just like exclusive for NX or whatever. Or um, have a Lego Ghostbusters. Yeah, I'm surprised that it's it covers being made. all three movies. Instead, well, I mean, some... they are in Lego Dimensions. And stuff, right, but, like, right. I would play a Lego game. Ghostbusters game that like covers all three movies. Right, and there's, there's enough material one two, there to actually one, sustain there you, yeah. a game. Yeah, there's there's enough soundtrack work to sustain. I mean, it work. It'd be good. One thing I would say about this game before we move on is, at least in my experience, anecdotally, these games tend to get discounted pretty early. Yeah, they sell what they sell, and then like if you if you're patient enough to wait for like probably Black Friday, like you'll probably get it for almost twenty five bucks or so, if, yeah. if not less. So it's like your money isn't burning a hole in its pocket. However, this is a good time for it. Yeah, because there's not a lot else to play you're right. right now. You know, this yeah. is a good summer game. It's light, easy, airy. Fun and like you know, it's, not complicated. Yeah, it's 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 like a it's a it's a, it's a little cotton it's candy treat. It's like a pop treat. song yeah. vid- video game. Yeah. yeah, it's the perfect pop song of the video game release schedule for the summer. Yeah, summer's it'll, good for that. It'll uh, it'll do me do me until uh, until uh, No Man's Sky finally comes out. <laughs> we'll it's, see. The game's not gonna last a month though. I mean, it's whatever. We'll see. I don't okay. know. All right, let's move on. Next, we're gonna talk about a topic that's been. A hot-button discussion topic all week. Uh, so just to kind of set it all up, basically what happened was this week, uh, Tiny Build, which is a developer who makes small games, doesn't make AAA games, uh, generally like mobile and free-to-play stuff. Um, basically what happened was somebody went and bought a ton of keys for their game Punch Club. Um and then it turned out that those keys were purchased with a stolen credit card. And then, so then the credit card company came back to the developer and said, hey, all these purchases were made with a stolen credit card. We're taking all that money back. Well, the problem was the keys were actually awarded to this crook. The crook then goes to G2A, according to Tiny Build anyway, then goes to G2A and starts selling all of these keys to the G2A audience. And so Tiny Build discovers what's going on, contacts G2A, says, hey, you know, we lost $450,000 worth of product. 
with a stolen credit card that you're now selling the stolen pro stolen products on your website. You owe us money for anything that you sold, blah, blah, blah. And it has just turned into this crap storm. Um, yesterday, G2A responded and said, well, if you can prove to us the keys and you give us the key digits, the digits that make up the keys and tell us which ones were stolen, then we'll look through our catalog and see if, they, if we actually sold them. And if so, then we'll work something out financially. Tiny Bill came back to them and said, well, you know, we don't want to put these keys out there because then that we have, we're afraid that you'll just put them into your system and start selling them. So it's turned into this huge... That seems counterproductive. I guess. How else, how else is G2A supposed to figure out what happened? Well, I don't know. That, I mean, that's why this is an interesting thing to discuss. Yeah. Like, because key resellers are a relatively recent phenomena. Mm. It's not something that's been around as long as we've been playing games. In fact, I mean, it really just started picking up right around when Sifted launched. Really, in the last two, three years, Green Man Gaming, G2A, sites like this have kind mm. of popped up. Um, and look, Tiny Build isn't the first publisher to have an issue with G2A. Uh, last year, Riot and League of Legends went after them because they were selling accounts, League of Legends accounts. They were also affiliated with another website that was allowing basically people to take over someone's account and play for them for a while hmm. to boost their stats up so they could get to like the next level in the LCS. And they got busted for that. And they capitulated on that one and said, yeah, we were doing it, our mistake, blah, blah, blah. This one, they're pushing back a little bit. Matt, what do you think the solution is for key resellers? And do you think, is there a solution? Is this just something that probably shouldn't exist at all? Well, I, I think, I don't know about And look, should I exist. realize a lot of you guys right now want to like stab me in the eyeball because you're like, I've bought a lot of games off G2A or Green Man Gaming and I get all these great games for like $2 or whatever. I understand mm -hmm. from the consumer side, these sites are a godsend, but... The fact of the matter is, just like in eBay or you know Amazon, where you can sell your stuff, like you're going to have a certain level of criminals who are sort of preying on these services. Do you think that there's any way to make something like this work? Because it's different with video game keys. Because with products, there's something physical there. And with video game keys, it's literally just a set of digits in order that unlocks something that could be worth a lot of money. I mean, I was looking through G2A today, and you're seeing some of the footage on the screen right now, but, like, they sell skins for, like, Counter-Strike Go weapons that cost, like, $30, $40. Like, not all the purchases are $1.60. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what a lot of times you can buy games for a dollar or two off of these services. I mean, there, you can see some of the prices on some of those weapon skins. It's insane, dude. That people pay that much money for a skin for their yeah, weapon. It really just it. blows my mind that they do that. But I'm not going to hate. Like, I, everyone's different. Everyone has things that they prioritize. And maybe if I was a hardcore CSGO player, I might want it too to set myself apart or whatever. But back to the root of the issue here is that it appears that G2A has a system that is easily gamed by crooks. Mm. I mean, most criminals, if they had a stolen That's credit card, the last thing they think about was going to some publisher or developer site, buying a crap ton of video game keys, and then going to G2, most people would just go to like a jewelry store and buy like a diamond necklace or go to Best Buy and buy a huge TV. These people are using the cards to go buy these keys, probably because they could generate a lot more money with minimal effort, right? Mm -hmm. Well, 
what, GT, G2A got the keys from the guy who stole them? That's what, I mean, well, G2A is kind of like eBay. Like, as right. a user, you sign up, and I don't know if they vet people. I probably should have researched this a little better. I don't know if they vet people like eBay does. And like, it's it like, seems to me the solution here is to charge back if they are. Well, that's the thing. is like if they, if TinyBuild won't give them keys to match up against their stock and figure out if what they have is indeed the stolen batch of codes, how are they supposed to know what they're selling? Well, I mean... I mean, granted, G2A... There is anecdotal like evidence. It's like, look, if... If Tiny Build lost all these keys on Monday, mm. and then you look at your system on Tuesday, and suddenly there's this merchant who has put 800 codes up for right. that game, it's pretty obvious what's happened. Right, but it's you know you can't just like tell them like yo you totally did it like there, there's got to be some communication happening, and then what's G two A? I'm asking. G two A should go after the guy who sold them to him. Right, like charge him back. Right. But Frankly, I don't, but I don't, is that how it works with G2A? I have no idea. I don't think it works, works that way. I think it's like eBay, where people put them up and then G2A gets mm. a cut of each sale. Well, that's weird. See, like I think you know, there's key sellers that do it where they buy them in bulk from the publisher or from the developer who's putting, you know, the distributor. And like because the distributor can give them a good price because they're buying so many at once, and the, you know the you know the publisher doesn't care. Like yeah. We, here, yeah, we'll give you a good like, you know wholesale price or whatever, basically, and they don't have to pay for shipping and stocking and retail space and all that so like if you sell them maybe a few dollars more than what you paid for them you still make a pretty good profit once you sell like 500 of them right right so that's why we get the good deals on those things um so i think if you're buying if the if the seller is buying those directly from the people who make them like that seems like the you know seems like the solution to me if that's um, the only way they get their keys right because the other thing that they've talked about is setting a floor maybe you don't sell your keys to random dudes who like just like want to give you a credit card over paypal or something yeah. Like, yeah i don't like i don't know the details of how that happened but it's just like you know it's the old uh, too good to be true it probably is see, i think the big problem here too is that what was this guy doing buying that many keys in the first place like well, they, I, that would raise well yeah but it would raise some red flags for me if i was that's what one. i said at first is that tiny build should have been like why is was there one Not transaction the blame, for like a hundred copies of our game in one trans who wants a hundred copies yeah, of who the are same you game? what's going on and what Tiny Build has proposed is to create a floor for each game. So G2A would come to them and say, what's the minimum amount of money that you're willing to take for this game? Mm -hmm. And then at least then, because I guess what's happened is, is like they, because these crooks are getting the keys for free, they don't really care how much they sell each key for. They're like, anything is 100% profit right. because we didn't pay squat for these. So... They're selling it for like a dollar, and the game on Steam is going for six ninety nine or seven ninety nine, and so people who are on Steam, like maybe thinking about buying it, are all going to G two A to buy it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, them saying we lost four hundred fifty thousand dollars on this deal, it, you know, that's a little dicey as well because well, a lot of those people wouldn't have spent that money probably. Right. But at the same time, like that's not an argument that gets you out of something if you're selling like hot TVs at the back oh, of the truck. Oh, for sure, I mean, yeah. It's because this is a legal gray area that, like, no one's really had to deal with yet. But if this was actually, you know, physical stolen goods, like, there wouldn't be a question about that. And, like, you know, you'd have to know, and I'm sure... Because, look... I'm sure people who are buying these keys for, like, a buck or whatever they were are kind of like, oh, this is probably not on the up and up, but screw it. You know, you know. Whereas if you knowingly purchase stolen property uh, in a physical sense, you, can, you are liable for that. I honestly... Or the, I think the way the laws work in the U.S., receiving stolen goods, like, I don't think you even have to know that it's stolen, do you? Uh, you have to prove you didn't know, which is right. very hard to yeah. prove. Yeah. 
And all, and there's a lot of kind of like um, in the law. There's a lot of you know. Look, if someone do, some dude's selling you a twenty five dollars sixty five inch plasma, you know something's yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, come yeah. on, like and so that which kind is of the like, same deal here. If these yeah. people are going to see it on Steam for eight dollars and they go to G two A and they're like it's yeah. ninety nine cents. I mean, like I bought Doom off of some British you know key seller thing that was like it was like forty bucks instead of sixty, which yeah. is like that's a reasonable yeah, yeah. discount. I mean, yeah, I didn't totally. think there was anything untoward about that. Yeah, but if it was like. Ten, right. I'd be like, okay, like there's something something's there, up yeah. here, and I, you know, not. I would just be worried that the key I got didn't work, right? Right. Um, so, like, I mean, I've used those. So, I've used those services for a lot of things. I, I used it to get a couple things this weekend because the um, the uh, pound exchange rate was so favorable. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you ruined your economy, but I got Technomancer real cheap. Less money <laughs> so, brexited yeah. your wallet over that one. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's okay. We'll get ours in November. Yeah, we sure will. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. But um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think they're a great service in the sense that I like to save money on PC games. I think everybody well, yeah, does. Yeah, it's one of the course. advantages of using the platform. Um, but yeah, what happened here was real shady, and and there probably should be some some at least common sense stopgap measures put in place to help prevent it. Well, G2A, in my opinion, should have to be, in any key reseller, in my opinion, should have to be completely transparent with how they got the keys. Yeah. Like, it should say, if you're buying the key, it should say right underneath Mm -hmm. it how they got the key. I'd like to know that just as a a customer, just so I know that the key you're going to send me is going to work. One, one, two, I want to know that some of that money is going to the developer, the people who made it. Like, and in this case, it looks like none of it was going. And the only, the other part of it, too, is that, they, and they even said this, is that because those were all considered chargebacks, Tiny Build lost its ability to charge anybody because mm-hmm. its credit card processor shut it down because right. of all the chargebacks that came back. Like That's a big part of working with a credit card merchant is how many chargeback, chargebacks do you have? Well, they got hammered with like mm-hmm. a ton of them Like all one on. chargeback can wipe out three sales total because of the oh, money yeah. you have to pay. Oh, yeah, because you, you lose money, too. So they yeah. charge you for the chargeback, like a service yeah. fee. And with a lot of processors, it's anywhere from fifteen to twenty dollars per chargeback. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about what, like a six dollar game? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think they bought it. They sold it for like a dollar or whatever on right. But like G2A. The, the games that the developers selling legitimately, right. it's like six or seven right. bucks. Yeah, it's like under ten dollars. It's a cheap. So game. like you know, one chargeback wipes out about what three to four yeah. legit purchases. Legitimate sales, yeah. And that's, that's I mean, that's that's a that's a company destroyer. It could right just there. literally put them out of business. And that's why this is a serious yeah. discussion, a serious topic to like discuss. It's like, I just can't see how these key resellers can find a system that will work 100% unless they stop taking keys from private people. Mm-hmm. Like, they need to vet where... That doesn't make any sense to me that you would... I mean, it makes sense in the sense that, like, they can probably take advantage of situations like this and not get called on it. But it seems like a really shady way to go about it. Well, it's like if you're a restaurant and, like, you buy eggs from a a distributor or a supplier or a chicken farm or whatever... And then someday some dude walks up. And knocks he's, on the back alley knocks door. Knocks on the back door. And he has like this big old bag of eggs slumming over his shoulder. And he's like, need some eggs? Like, <laughs> common sense tells you there's something weird going on yeah. there. And so, it's like, somewhere out there, there's some chickens that didn't get paid. Right, exactly. And G2A, or a farmer that didn't get paid, because he, he went in his coop yeah. and stole all his damn eggs. Like, that's what's kind of happening here with G2A. Like, it needs to put something in place, not just 
for the sake of the consumers, but for the sake of the people who put the blood, sweat, and tears into the games that are getting ripped mm -hmm. off with this, this whole scam. So, I don't know. I've honestly never bought anything off of any key re reseller site. It's not because I haven't wanted to or whatever. Like, it just hasn't worked out that I have. Mm. Even though, you know, we curate deals for these things. Like, and look, we're, we're guilty of it. I shouldn't hark too much mm. because we do curate stories for deals for G2A and Green Man Gaming all the time. I've, so. I've never used G G2A. I've used Green Man Gaming, and I've, I'm, I use, I've used a lot this one British one. Whose name I can't remember now. <laughs> I'm sure someone in the chat will remind you. It's um, well, I'm, I'm not unless they're looking at my credit card bill. I don't know. I've, I've never heard of this place, but it's like they tend to have some really, really nice deals. I think I got it through Sifted at oh, yeah. some point, but it's like I don't know. Maybe it's like British Power Station or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I think it's a cool thing. You know, I'm sure I'll take you know 10, 15 bucks off Doom, especially because you know I also like the 20% discount you can get on Amazon Prime for new games but that does not apply to codes yeah. it's only physical objects Alston so. is in the chat saying that the owner of his business blacklist credit cards that charge back they all charge back though I mean I know this personally because we obviously had to set up credit card payments for Sifted and you know a big part of it of when you try to price out all these different credit card processors is how much I, are you going to charge me for a chargeback I think line? he means specific credit cards that do that like the actual card like joe blow mm -hmm. like this guy is notorious for doing chargebacks yeah i don't know how you get that information though well you don't know which credit card does a chargeback on you yeah but you wouldn't know if they had a history of charging things back prior before you accepted you the card there's no way to well you that. would if they keep charging you back oh well yeah i mean if somebody charges yeah. us back on Sifted, we just ban them right away, like because we have a yeah. He's saying he's a, his owners will actually blacklist specific cards oh, that, pe oh. that people keep charging. Oh yeah, back. I mean for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean if we ha if somebody charges us back on a card, we just ban them and ban the card immediately because yeah. we have a I refund mean, once policy. is enough in my opinion. Oh yeah, I mean if somebody charges back on us that yep, last year that was half of their premium subscription cost. And, you know, we mm. offer a refund policy. You know, we'll give you pre-rated pre -rated refunds whenever. So if people try to pull that crap on us, we're just like later. Mm. And then we ban their IP address and everything else, too. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I don't know if there's an easy solution to this. I just think probably the key to it is just being more transparent, transparent on the part of the key reseller. And I think that would solve, and not just with cons the consumer, but with the developers and the publishers. So mm. everybody knows where they're getting their keys. There's no monkey business going on. Everyone can track the keys that way as well. Um, but a lot of times these businesses get greedy and they mm. try to find how, what's the cheapest way. It's like that guy at the back door with the eggs. Yeah. He's like, I'll sell you an egg for 10 cents. Distributor's going to cost you, charge you 50 cents. And so some storekeepers would be like, I'll take the eggs. <laughs> and I like some, to know where my eggs come yeah, from. Yeah. <laughs> some of these key resellers are like, I'll mm -hmm. take the eggs, like, and I think that's going to have to change. Uh, otherwise, you're going to end up getting lawsuits. Yeah, and we're going to lose this outlet for the service for deals. a way to buy. It, hurt, it sucks for everybody. Yeah, It'll, especially for G2A because they've been making money off stuff they should be making money on. Yeah, so. well, maybe they'll have to tighten the belt a little bit and start doing things a little more transparently and a little more on the up and up because you're screwing up developers and you know I, I wouldn't want to support you. I've seen a lot of people giving Tiny Build crap over this. And just saying, like, oh, like what you were saying, like, you're going to ruin it for everybody. Like, you're going to 
keep us from being able to buy games for a dollar or two dollars on these websites. Well, you're, you're gonna, you gotta defend your business. And the fact of the matter is, it's like if it's not Tiny Build that does this, it's gonna happen to Somebody another. Else. Yeah. And I mean, imagine if it happened to like Activision or something. I mean, so, yeah, someone with the legal power to really come after them. G2A is lucky that it happened with this little developer who is probably lucky enough to have an, a lawyer at all. Mm. And, but you know, if it if it isn't solved with this little case, then you know they could be in trouble on down the road whenever mm. an Activision or an EA comes after them because they'll have teams of lawyers ready to run them through the skewer. So we'll see. This is a, still a developing. Developing story, by the way, um, it's not been solved. There's already been three stories curated to sifted about this. Uh, it started with obviously Tiny Bill bringing up the 450k figure, and then the response from G2A, and then the response to G2A's response from Tiny Build, where they're basically like, "This isn't good enough. We're not hmm. happy." Uh, so this story still has some more chapters to be written. Uh, but it is something that is a growing part of our industry and something I'm sure a lot of you guys are starting to use. Um, never hurts to kind of think about it consciously whenever you're making purchases. Is this money going to the right people? Uh, I know sometimes the allure of cheap games is hard to resist, but that's what the Steam Summer Sale is for, which is what's yep. going on right now. So um, if you feel iffy about it, you don't think like the developers are going to get their due for uh, from services like this, then don't use them and go to places like Steam where you know it's on the up and up. So. Developing, we may come back to this topic in the future. Maybe what is, it'll be something we mention off the top of the show is just kind of an aside or whatever. Mm. But, uh, yeah, some interesting stuff. And, you know, just another another bump in the road for a changing industry. Yep. As the industry goes digital, we're going to see more and more stuff like this where it's like just people didn't think of it. Like it happened with Sifted when we built Sifted. Like you think you have everything all plotted out, and then you actually launch it, and you're like, oh, my God, I never mm. realized people would try to do that. And that's... No battle plan survives contact with the enemy. You're absolutely right. And you have to, it's a process that and almost... The internet is the enemy. <laughs> yeah. It's a process that, like, everything has to go through. Like, somebody has to sue a company for a company a lot of times to mm -hmm. be like, oh, crap, we screwed up, we set up something wrong. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times, companies, entities have to pay for their mistakes that way. Um, luckily, with a website, it's like, oh, it's just a bug that we have to fix. Right. <laughs> Unless it just our site just withdrew like a million dollars from someone's credit card or whatever, that would be a nightmare. But uh, but yeah, we'll probably touch on this again in uh, a couple weeks or whatever and see where everything's settled out. But uh, that's pretty pretty much it for now. Let's move on. All right. Here's a game, Matt, that people have been calling Game of the Year so far hmm. for 2016. Um, IGN did an episode of its show Game Scoop today. It's like midpoint of the year. What are the Game of the Year candidates? This game was talked about for like 20 minutes. Um, it's getting huge review scores everywhere. 9, 9.5. Hadn't seen a perfect score yet on a 10-point scale. But 9, 9.5 pretty much everywhere. The game is inside. It is the spiritual successor to Limbo. Mm, which, which I liked a lot. I liked it a lot, too. Um, what shocked me is that Limbo came out six years ago. Do you realize that? Wow, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. believe it when I read that. I'm like, has it been six years since that game came out? That blew my mind. So this game is completely unrelated to Limbo. It's made by the same people, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot of similar aesthetics you to can, it. You can see a little bit of the pedigree. You there. can see a lot of it in it. But there's no carryover as far as like characters mm. or story or setting or anything like that. I don't know. I recognize that silhouette tree. 
<laughs> Where's the spider? Where's the spider? Oh my god! Um, so I've I've played through this game. It's about it took me about three and a half or four hours to play through. Uh, not quite as short as like Journey or something mm-hmm. like that, but it's still a very brief play. Um, I will say this game is incredible. Um, I don't know if I would want to play it much longer than three or four hours. I feel mm-hmm. like it was kind of the perfect length for what it does. Um, but, I, you know, I think really a big part of it is... Yeah, it's a long drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. A big part of it is the end. The, the last, like, 40 minutes of this game, it's, it's probably one of the best final acts in, and I'm not even exaggerating, in the history of video games. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, usually the endings of games are, like, the last parts are sort of the part you skimp on because it was something like 2% of people yeah, finish make games. make it there. So like well, you, this was you only three hours, beginning. so... Yeah, but you polish the beginning and you don't worry about the... If someone makes it to the end of the game, they probably like your game enough that you don't even really need to please them that much. Yeah, you really you know? don't. Well, the funny part about this game, too, is that there really is no beginning. Like, the game starts, and it just starts. Hmm. There's no opening cinema, there's no setup, there's no narration. It just happens. Like well, Limbo was like that, It too, was, yeah. It just started off like that, too. And then you kind of discover everything about the world and the environment as it goes. Um, I don't... I don't want to talk too much about the plot in the game because it is a really short game, and if you talk about it even a little bit, it could end up being kind of a huge spoiler. I feel like this is one of those games that I want like sifters to kind of discover on their own. Um, there's no overt storytelling in the game, though. It's all just like observational storytelling, basically. Mm-hmm. Things happen, and then you kind of interpret them on your own however you want. It's not so open-ended that people are going to come out of this game and be like, what happened? Like, Lost. It's not like when Lost ended and people are like, what the hell happened? I think this happened. I think that happened. It's not that kind of, like, ambiguous mm-hmm. story. Like, you get the gist of what's happening. Uh, but it, just, the, it just expects you to meet it halfway, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't expect a ton out of you. It's not like you're connecting these weird, like... But it assumes you're paying attention. Right, yeah. Um... Which is fair. It is fair. Yeah, and I mean, games like this, you know, it's only three hours long. Like, if it were a little bit longer, I'd probably expect a little more exposition. But the way this game works, it it makes perfect sense and it works amazingly well. Uh, The game itself is a puzzle platformer, just like Limbo. Um, Lots and lots and lots of box-pushing puzzles. (laughs) Lots of them. Uh, Lots of physics-based puzzles where you're using weight and, Mm -hmm. like, the weight of the boy and the weight of boxes to solve puzzles. Um, there's no jumping, really, per se. Like, I really hesitate to even call this, like, a platformer. I mean, it really is just a puzzle game, and then the platforming, quote-unquote, is just a means to get to the next puzzle, for the most part. Um, but, yeah, so here's how it starts, and it puts you on edge right away, because you're walking through the woods, and this vehicle, like, follows you, like, through the woods. So mm-hmm. this is, like, like, the first hint of, like, there's something wrong, like... Why are these people following me? And that's one thing I would say about this game in general is that it engenders an intense feeling of paranoia. Hmm. If you're a paranoid person, you may not be able to sleep after finishing this game. I'm not even exaggerating. Like, if if you're paranoid, this game is going to get under your skin and drive you absolutely bonkers because I think paranoid people also have a problem with not having enough information. Hmm. (laughs) I think that's, like, the arch enemy of the paranoid person is the lack of information. And this game doesn't really give you any. You just kind of literally, like, stumble through it. Like, I didn't even know why I was running from, like, these people. I'm like, wait a minute. You sort of assumed it would be bad. Yeah, it's like, why am I running away? And it's like... Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Exactly. (laughs) 
the first thing a paranoid person will ever tell you, by the way. <laughs> but uh, game of the year, I don't know. Well, like, sir, like, I wonder if that's falling into the trap of the people that wanted to get called Journey Game of the Year, or, or not not to dig up old bodies, but uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah, see, that I was one of the bodies that, that was in the grave over The Walking Dead <laughs> and Journey. Like, I love both those games, but, but just for me personally... But as the best gaming experience of the year? Mm, maybe that's just not what I... You know, it's not the same thing I'm looking for. Well, I remember I was at the VGAs the year that The Walking Dead won. And I had already got on record saying that I, you know, I knew it was a nominee, and I hoped that it wouldn't win, that I really enjoyed it for what it was, but I almost felt like it wasn't really much of a video game. That it was more of like an interactive like book or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then my, my contention with Journey was that it lasted like an hour and a half. And if you can't make like an awesome hour and a half experience, you're probably a really shitty video game developer. <laughs> and so for me personally, I put more stock into developers and who could create an experience that was really enjoyable over a long period of time. And like I got a lot of heat for that. Like, mm-hmm. In fact, so much heat that like at the after party for the VGAs, the editor-in-chief at the time of IGN, I'm not going to name any names, but he came up to me and, like, went after me over it. And, like, we had invited him. Like, we were doing the VGAs, obviously. I worked mm. for Spike. And we had invited him, like, on our post show to be, like, a commentator and everything. And, like, he shot, like, a segment, and he came off camera and, like, laid into me over it. And, like, said, like, oh, I think you're crazy for thinking that way. And, you know, I've known you for a long time, and I can't believe you think that way. And I was like, bro, like... I don't hate on you for you thinking it should be game of the year. I just expressed my opinion. And, like, he went after me. And, and then, you know, I was like, well, look, I don't want to have, like, a rip between us or anything over this. It's just a video game. Like, I have one opinion on it and you have another. And, like, I felt like we kind of buried the hatchet. And then, you know, he goes back to IGN the next day and writes an editorial about me. <laughs> it wasn't even, like, he wasn't even, like, trying to mask, like, what it, he's, like, so I talked to the editor-in-chief of Game Trailers last night, Shane Satterfield, about The Walking Dead winning it in Journey. And I was like, wow. Like, mm. it shocked me. So, look, people get really edgy over this kind of stuff. Part of it, I, th- I think part of that comes from just, like, you know, one of the hallmarks of these games, that we're, you know, the type of game we're talking about that you and I might feel like is great, but it doesn't, you know, like... Let's say this. I mean, I know it's not coming out this year, but let's say let's say I love Inside. Let's say I love Inside, but then I also love Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, I'm going to be inclined to give you know this 30 hour world like open you know action RPG thing that like really puts me somewhere for a long time for a a journey of of a longer of a longer (laughs) of a larger scale. Like I'm going to probably be intent. You know, it's something I'm playing and actively you know, controlling and involved in, I'm probably going to be, as a gamer, more indi- more inclined to, like, favor that as, yeah. like, my best experience of the year. Whereas, like, maybe I was the best story I was told was, like, The Walking Dead. Right, right. But, like, that's not really what I'm here for. And But I think what happens is, like, these shorter but, like, really intense and well-crafted narrative games can, you know, stir up the emotions a lot. And I think um, people get very attached to these that's, things. That's exactly right. Because that... Adding on to this. I think you so, saw some of that with Life is Strange last year as well. Yep, you're right. And uh, Her Story. Which I, I which I understand. I totally understand. I played Life is Strange and Her Story, and they're both great. And I have, you know, I, 
Every once in a while, I, I pass her story. You know, I, I 100%ed her story. Every once in a while, I pass it on my Steam list. I'm just like, ah, oh, that was good. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like, it's just yeah, like, those fond memories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, to add fuel to the fire, then we ended up doing our own Game of the Year awards like a month later. And like a lot of the editorial staff wanted to give Game of the Year to Journey. Hmm. And they, and, you know, they already knew my stance on this. So I felt like a little bit like they were. I don't know, going after me a little bit, I guess is a good way to put it. Because they knew where I stood on these mm -hmm. games. And they knew that it was going to be, if that's really what they wanted to be Game of the Year, they were going to have to throw down They're going to have to me. go through you. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And, and like, I've, I've, done, I've had that meeting, and it's not easy. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we ended up getting, like, a huge argument in our Game of the Year. And, like, people was like, well, IGN's editor-in-chief agrees with us. And I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, and here he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now... Fight to the death. Yeah. <laughs> and it ended up being like the team was like split down the middle and I became like the turn vote basically. Mm. And so Journey didn't win. But I honestly in what good conscience I can't remember what it was, to be honest with you. I don't even remember what the game was. Hmm. What year was that? Was it twenty eleven? Two thousand eleven? Was it? Was I thought it was like two thousand nine. No, it was Journey. Journey God, I don't remember when that was. I thought that was the same year as Walking Dead. I don't remember. I think it was. Anyway. I thought Walking Dead was 2011. But, uh, but anyway, so it turned into this huge thing, and it's like, I just, I feel like making a really awesome hour and a half game is nowhere near as challenging as making a really awesome 30-hour game. Like, mm -hmm. that's kind of my stance on it, and so I feel like I want to reward the team that has put the most work into the product. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's a slippery slope. There's no right answer, right? It's a lot of it about know, your I perspective. Mean, yeah, it depends what you value. It depends what you prefer. And like you know, there's no real right answer. Yeah. Uh, I don't think. But like you know, to me, it's like it's like looking back over the year of like the best meals I had. And it's like you know, I'm probably gonna pick that you know three course, four course steak dinner that had was perfectly cooked and like you know, we all night we had we had this great meal that lasted for like whole time. And maybe one of the other great meals I had was a really good cookie. Right. <laughs> but, like, as much as I liked that cookie, it wasn't a meal. It know, wasn't you know my I mean? meal of the year. <laughs> it wasn't my meal of the year. It might have been my cookie of the year. Yeah. My cookie, I mean, indie game. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's just, it's just different experiences to me. And, like, it's, it's, it's just how I prioritize and how I value... Not value, I guess, because I, I see a lot of value in games like Inside. I mean, yeah. I'm very excited to play it. It's just not, out, it's, be, it's yeah. not out on PC yet, so I can't yeah. do it. And I'm waiting. Seven days. Yeah. Tick, tick. Here we go. Um, but, like, you know, the, the, you know, games are a certain thing to me, and there's a certain scale that I expect. It's of, also like, a recent phenomenon, because up yeah. until the last five, six years, there really hasn't been this indie, yeah. like, five-hour, four-hour experience mm -hmm. that we have now. Like, that didn't exist, like, ten right. years there ago. Right. No, there was no pricing tier for that. Yeah. It was like you bought full, full price games, or you played games in the arcade, basically. Yeah. And, and sometimes they way. remind me of arcade games almost more. But you know, not, you know, not that you played an arcade game for hours. Right. Like... But that's actually a pretty good analogy. I mean, you know, when you really had to speak with your dollar was an arcade. Yeah. Where it's like, I go to the arcade, I had $2 that my mom gave me. That's eight games. And it's like, how am I going to spend these eight quarters? Like, I'm going to spend it on the games that are the best ones. I mean, there was another element, too, is, like, how good are you and how mm -hmm. long will you last playing a particular game? Is your grandfather aware of what you're doing? Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that ties into it as well. Um, 
But it is it is kind of interesting this sort of paradigm shift, and when you when you go to do things like give out awards, how it can become dicey, and certain people have priorities and preferences. Especially the dice awards. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, I mean, because you think about dicey. dice. What'd you say? That was a pun on dicey. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, that one just went whoosh right over my head. I, re- I I said it too slow. I should have been. I should have jumped on it. But I think that the food analogy is probably a pretty good one. Mm. Um, it's. There, but it's like I said, there's no right answer. No. It's, a lot of it's going to come down to opinion and, and impressions. I Everybody's mean, got the thing they think is, they, they find to be the most rewarding element of this hobby. Well, I think you also have to kind of define what your game of the year is. You yeah. know? Is it like the best memories that I have of well, playing like, a game? Well, it's like my, it, you know, my game of the show for E3 is just, you know, was, was Star, uh, Trek. Star yeah. Trek, which is, is it the best made game on the show floor? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but was it like the best experience I had all week playing a game? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You know, and, and you know, so that was what I valued the most. And again, is that going to be my game of the year? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, even if I do have as much of a good time playing it, you know, when it comes out as I, as I did uh, at E3. But. Well, at E3, it, it's a bubble, right? E3 is a bubble. You only have an hour to play it. And also, um, you know, the other thing about it is like. Uh, Games don't always demo too well. Games don't always, you know, and, and I've been through so many E3 demos that, like, sometimes it's like if something gives you something like, wow, I've never done anything like that before yeah. at an E3. Like, that's yeah. a, that's a that's special a big deal. thing. Have you gone to, like, 20 of them? It's a big yeah. deal. So, like, yeah, it's, 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 it depends on the situation. It depends on the timing. And I can totally see, even though I was not, you know, I wouldn't have put The Walking Dead, like, in my top three necessarily that year. But I can totally see why someone would have. Yeah, and if you're a fan of story-driven games and character mm-hmm. development and that sort of thing, if you really only like those parts of a game, that should be your game of the year. Mm-hmm. But me personally, you know, I'm a gameplay-first guy, mm-hmm. so that just put me at odds immediately with. And I love adventure games. I've grown up playing adventure games, and you know, it's not like I don't like the genre, but I prefer gameplay over everything else because, to me, and I've said it before, that's what separates video games from movies, like interacting with the game, mm-hmm. and so. That's what draws me to video games is that I'm in control. And uh, so to me, like, you know, The Walking Dead was behind the eight ball right, out, right from the right. get-go. You're not in control so much as deciding which horrible thing happens. Right. <laughs> one after the other. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And I, look, I love The Walking Dead. Yeah. I love the TV show. I love that spinoff by Telltale. Season 3 coming up soon. Really mm-hmm. excited about that. Uh, but when it came and to the game Batman. The... Yeah, 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 exactly. And when it came to the game of the year, though, I was just like, I can't do it. Like, I cannot. Mm. It's like, I guess the way I kind of looked at it was like, if I'm standing in front of all the developers of the games that I am, like, thinking about awarding game of the year to, like, which one would I have the, har- the biggest problem rationalizing my pick to? And for me, like, a game like The Walking Dead, it's like, it would be easy for me to tell them why they would be my game of the year. So, like, you're half a game. You have a great story, but that's pretty much all there is. And mm-hmm. here's this other game over here that has amazing visuals, great interactivity, longevity that I can play for 60 hours, <laughs> and the story is still pretty darn good. So, People in the chat have looked up that article you mentioned, and they're like, this dude's calling Shane out. Like, oh, really? Like, yeah. How did you even find it? That's crazy. I don't know. The stand user has it. <laughs> yep. So I'm sure he's probably put the person's name in the chat now at this point, too. I'm not going to share it. but uh, 
So anyway, inside. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's that's pertinent to inside yeah. what we've been discussing. It will certainly be in because six it's months going as well. to happen yeah. in six months. Like you're going to see some publications giving this game of the year, and you're going to watch our game of the year awards and wonder. <laughs> and we're probably not going to do that. Well, no. I mean, the one thing I'd say about this game is it isn't just a story. Right. You know, there is a lot more to this game than just a story. Like, in fact, there hardly is any story in this game. <laughs> like. It's the story in this game is kind of what you take out of it. So I'm not saying it would not be a candidate for. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of gameplay in this. There's some really clever puzzles. In fact, some of the block pushing puzzles in this are some of the best I've ever seen. Like, you know, I always talk derogatory like about block puzzles. I'm like, oh, it's a block pushing puzzle. And like mm-hmm. in, in our game evals, if a game has block pushing puzzles, I'll be like, it has block pushing puzzles. Because that's kind of exactly that's kind of like a red flag that like this yeah, game has some elements in it that make it seem a little it's like, old. It's like, it's like if the game contained peanuts. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Um, or es- game, escort missions would be that for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, but this game has like a, a lot more than a game like The Walking Dead did, or even Journey mm-hmm. for that matter. Like it actually has like interactivity to it that actually matters. It's not just an experience that you're kind of living through. It's something. It's something that you're actually interacting with and having input on the outcome. I guess is the best way to put it in a meaningful way. Um, deciding between in a dialogue tree, one of one thing from another. To me, it doesn't feel all that meaningful in right. the context of playing a video game. So, I'm lo- I loved Inside. It's a great game. Our Game Eval is maybe going up tonight, possibly tomorrow. I actually am not writing the Game Eval. Um, one of our freelancers is handling it because I didn't think I was going to have enough time to play it. And I uh, ended up squeezing it in uh, yesterday when I had a little time. When I needed a break from a game we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, if you're into these types of games, if you like Journey, if you like Lim- if you like Limbo, just buy it. Like, period. Like, you're gonna love it because it is way it's better than Limbo. It's Limbo is a great game, and it's better than Limbo in every way. So, if you are a fan of that game, you are going to eat this game up. Now, if you didn't like Limbo, I honestly don't think this game does enough to make it purchase worthy. Um, and there are people out there who did, did not like Limbo. And a lot of people think it may, it's overrated and maybe they didn't get it or whatever. If you're one of those people, don't buy this. It's not so much better than Limbo that you're going to enjoy it inside if you did not like the studio's prior game. So, but look, if you're into atmosphere, moody games, you like games that just don't hold you by the hand and tell you what to do, um, you will love this game. And if you make it through to the end, like I said, it's one... One of my top five final acts in video games ever. Um, everything becomes clear in the final act, I guess mm. is what I'll put. Although not completely clear. Satisfying ending. Um, yeah. So I highly recommend it to people who are into these types of games. I don't think it's going to change the mind of somebody who typically doesn't like Because it's an arty indie games. Mm. That's the best way to put it, I guess. Because it is a really arty indie game. Um, is not immediate or apparent or obvious. None of it's really obvious in this game. So if you're into that kind of stuff, this is your jam. Let me tell you, it is your jam. So, all right, let's move on to the next topic. There was all these rumors swirling before E3 happened that The Legend of Zelda Wii U, as it was known Mm -hmm. then, it was not known as Breath of the Wild at that point, was going to have a female character. And what lent some credence to that was that Nintendo debuted this brand new character for Hyrule Warriors called Linkle. Mm. And Linkle was like the (laughs) the dumbest name ever. 
Linkle is was is the female version of Link. And so it all made too much sense. And I'm sure if you actually went back and watched an old episode of Game Face, I probably said that seeing Linkle in Hyrule Warriors was the final nail in the coffin to ensure for a fact that you would be able to play as a female version of Link in Zelda Wii U. Well, I was wrong. Everybody was wrong. As it turns out, you can only play as a male Link, although I would say his his gender may be up for debate. He's, he's, a, he's a very effeminate, even Link. for Link. Even he's, for he's, Link. He's, it, you, can, yeah. you can go either way. And also, I, again, I still say, we don't know everything about Breath of the Wild. We don't know how crazy it's going to get. They have described Linkle as... You know, Linkle is supposedly a very poor translation of the fact that her name is a pun on wrinkle. Yeah. As in, like, wrinkle in time. Right. Uh, in Japanese. Uh, we, you know, maybe there's another timeline in Breath of the you know, Like, Zelda loves doing the alternate worlds. Yeah. You know, maybe there's an alternate world version where there's Linkle. I mean, it could... It could happen. Or it could just be a case where they're just, like, baiting us right now. Yeah, and it, or they might just be having fun. I mean, Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors really seem to kind of go, like, you know, no rules, no you know, everything. Let's, let's go crazy. Let's throw everything in here. and the kitchen sink. And so that it could just be that. Or it could be that Link really is a girl in Breath of the Wild. And, and, they just, and Nintendo is so pissed off that people figured it out already. <laughs> That they're like, oh, that was our big. But there was our a big, lot of that talk. was our big wrinkle for the plot. Uh, <laughs> but there was a lot of talk about, you know, like Miyamoto said or said something like, you know, Link is always going to be a boy in the main series, which is silly because like, Link's, Link's not even a character, you know, and like there, there's like, well, if 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 you know, what if we made? If, it's like weird how they don't really go for the idea of making Link female, where they're like. What if, if Zelda was the main character, what would Link do? I'm like, anything you want him to do because you write it? No, that's it? what the graphic is for, Trifarce. Because yeah. the excuses that Nintendo has given for why Link will not be female or you cannot choose a female version are bullcrap. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, if you play as Zelda, then what is Link doing while you're playing as Zelda? I don't know, like, maybe, you sit, maybe you sit in the castle looking sadly at a window. That's what maybe, she does in every other game. Maybe you should let her rescue him for once. Or maybe he's just sitting in a bar maybe drinking. He, maybe he's disguised as a badass woman yeah. helping you out. <laughs> just well, like Zelda did. I mean, in all honesty, the, the more legitimate excuse they gave, although it's still bullcrap, is that the Triforce is made up of Ganon, Link, and Zelda. Yeah, well, Link can be a girl this time. Yeah. Ganon can be a girl, but Zelda can be a boy. Like, who cares? Like, what? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I still they're don't not see... characters. It's, it's like, it's not like you, you're... And also, they're different people every time. Every time, like, yeah. Like, there's no reason... Just because the Triforce of Courage is attached to somebody's hand doesn't mean, like, it... it you know, it does, does the Triforce of Courage, like, is, does it genetically influence a penis? Like, what's going on there? Like, that yeah. doesn't... It, it, I, don't, I don't see why not. I also don't see why not to give, give people the choice. Yeah. Like, what's, so, the, what's the difference? So we've established that Nintendo's reasoning for not including Link or allowing people to play as a female version of Link is complete crap. It mm -hmm. makes no sense whatsoever. Now that we've established that, though, would you want a Zelda game to have a female lead character? Sure. Yeah? Why not? Like, I don't care one way or the other. I mean, in terms of, like, whether, you know, the Zelda game is going to be a Zelda game one way or the other. Like, I don't, you know, as long as you can do all the th same things Link usually does, what's the big deal? And if it makes, you know, some female players or whatever feel better that they can play or, or identify better with the character or feel more included that they can choose that, great. Like, that just makes the game better for more people.
It doesn't make it worse for me, so what's the problem? How would you feel, <coughs> excuse me, if they, if the next Tomb Raider starred a man? That'd be weird. Is it but different, though? It is different, because women are much, like, more underrepresented in the medium as playable protagonists. Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking at that at all. I agree with that 100%. Like, mm. you know, there are far but that's, too but, few but, female characters. But it, but wouldn't, it wouldn't be weird to me, because, like, oh, my God, I care so much about Lara Croft as his character, and I don't want to play as, you know, Larry Croft. Like, that's, that's not what I'm here for. Uh, it's because, like, well, it would feel to me like we lost, you know, a little bit of diversity there in the in, in the world, you know, in the gaming world. Like, it would be like, well, why would we, why do we have to lose like one of our iconic female characters? Because right, but what, but frankly, what if the next day they announce Mirror's Edge three or whatever? I mean, there's an ebb and flow to it. Like, another game could be announced the next day where there's a new, there's a female protagonist mm-hmm. to take the place of Lara. Yeah, but Lara means something to some people. Right, but Link means something to a lot of people. Yeah, well, that's why you're saying give her the choice. Right, but why you would you not be okay with the choice of playing as a man? Well, now it's a Tomb choice Raider. to play as a man oh, in Tomb Raider. Okay. Yeah, I guess That's I should clarify that. Yeah. Yeah, if it's a choice, fine. Yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, if you can make the story work both ways, if you're willing to record all that extra dialogue. Well, you know, I mean, that's the same problem that they would have. Well, not they have in Mass talks, Effect but... and that kind of you know. If you want to, you know, it's like in um, what is it? Prey. You can you can pick uh, male or female because Morgan is a you know a gender gender neutral name. They picked it on purpose so that your char- player character in Prey can be male or female. So if you're willing to get, put the effort into to, to allow that choice, I think go for it in in any game, frankly. Yeah, I think what I'm what I'm thinking and what I'm trying to get at is that when you play as these characters for and in the case of Link, it's been twenty some years. You do build kind of a relationship and an attachment to this character. And, you know, no matter how androgynous Mm. Link may have appeared throughout all his games, like, he still, to me, is a boy. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at a character that's a boy or a girl, some people may deny this, but the fact of the matter is that you have some preconceptions about the fact that they're a boy or a girl and what their capabilities are, what their strengths and weaknesses may or may not be. And you develop that over 20-plus years of playing with this character. You Can... played with many different Links, though. Yeah, the but they all look the same, and they all Wind Waker Link doesn't look same. like Twilight Princess Link. Doesn't look like... Yeah. They're, all, they're all different. You've never met this Link before in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, but I think that's a cop-out, though, in, this, in the frame of this discussion. Well, it's also the cop-out. It's, I don't know if that's a cop-out so much as it's like, why, can't, you know, why didn't Nintendo just say that? Yeah. You know, it's like... It would be one thing if, like, Nintendo... If, if Nintendo I know, just come out... That's why I said at the one point, like, right. we've established that Nintendo's full of crap with this Like, excuse. they should have just said, like, because we don't want to. Like, that's a valid creative... Totally we made is, a creative right? decision to not do that. But like, in today's like, environment, particularly in video games over the last couple of years, like, things like that aren't good enough. I don't know. I think people do... Ex- you know, it's like the... It's like the thing where, where people started questioning developers and, like, why, why is this female character have giant boobs? And like there was all these like, you know, like you know, like uh, was, was um, Kojima had the rationale of like, oh, she has a parasite, she has to keep her skin exposed. That's what she rolls around in the rain like a stripper. And, and, and then they got to the guy who did the the character designs for um, Dragon's Crown, which is famous for having that sorceress yeah. with the giant boobs. And he's like, I like boobs. <laughs> and like every even the people I know that like don't want to play sexualized female characters in games like. I respect that. Yeah. They're like, yeah. Like, it's like, I like boobs. I want my game to have huge boobs in it. That's what I'm here for. And it's just like, yeah, all right. You do you. Thumbs up. You know, it's like... It's, I think things have changed, though. I, I That was like last year. Oh, really? Yeah, that was, that was... I thought that was like three years ago. 
That that was that guy's response was being used in contrast to Kojima's oh, response you. about last uh, year. Quiet. Gotcha. Last year. gotcha. Um, and it's still sort of like, yeah, yeah, like just 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 admit it. This is like, yeah, we know what we're here for for that. Like Kojima if, wouldn't didn't do that though. No, Kojima made up made this crazy backstory excuse, yeah. about like how Quiet needs to take her clothes off to get. Wet. But that's kind of like the environment that we're in, though. Is it like you have like these developers like walking on eggshells almost anymore? Like I don't know that that's a good environment like for creativity. Like constantly second guessing like your creative decisions in that's a lot of ways. The thing is like don't second guess. Just say it because we wanted to. Right. But they, yeah, but you can't because. But you, you could. The guy, you say I, that's that. what I'm saying is the Dragon's Crown guy literally said that because I wanted to. Yeah, but there's a big and difference he, between Dragon's Crown and Zelda and Nintendo. Somewhat, like, but it's like, but if the Nintendo, fraction of people who give a crap about Dragon's Crown is like this big, and then you got Zelda that's like this big. Like, but the honesty, of the, the honesty of the creative decision is identical. Because if you, Nintendo would just say, we don't want to do that. That's different than making up this weird, like, yeah. like convoluted well, again, excuse we're in that, that, that everyone, even people ridiculous. that don't want Link to be female, read that and were like, uh huh. Like, it's like, come but on. I don't dude. think Nintendo yeah. would have made up those lame excuses if it wasn't afraid to tell the truth. Like, why would it not tell the truth unless it was afraid to tell the truth? And that's, I feel like that's the environment that's been created now with video games. Is like everyone's I like, oh, I gotta. Well, I think that's a stupid corporate reaction to this perceived environment of that. And like, yeah, you can get in some hot water if you do things like, you know, you know, move, you know, move the butt the other way in the wind pose, or like change the camera angle on Armika's ass. I mean, slap look, whatever, Nintendo's like, getting hammered over the translation and the conversion of Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Sharp FE, like everyone's saying, oh, it's set, like someone sent me a message on Sifted last week, like. After they had watched the show, and they were, like, asking me, you know, because it's been censored or altered for the West, is it, like, worth playing? And I'm like, yes, it's worth playing. Yeah. Like, I didn't even notice better, that it was censored As or a wise man said last week, it's better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, or a not-so-wise not man. Not-so-wise man. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we have not talked about Mighty Number no. 9 on this show, really, at all since no. it came out. I got about halfway through it. Maybe next week, if we're hurting for topics, we'll bring that up. But we'll get to. I, I'm kind of thinking. You know, I thought maybe you were waiting on Mighty Number no. Nine to see like where all the where all the corpses land yeah. because like <laughs> that thing's still in progress. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it has It's not completely buried yet. So maybe next week we'll talk about that yeah. one. But and, uh, and if anybody got that on Wii U or you're a backer on Kickstarter on Wii U, please tell us your story in the comments because apparently sorry. that is a disaster. Yeah. Oh, I think isn't Xbox One in pretty bad shape too? Yeah, but I guess I heard Wii. U is the worst yeah. by far. No like, surprise like, there. Even, like, barely even worse. I'm surprised that they even released it for a Wii U, to be honest. Well, a lot of people think that was like the big mistake, was too many platforms. Yeah, I'm sure it was. But, um... Anyway, back Nintendo to... Nintendo doesn't this. have the too many platforms problem. No. <laughs> to bring that back around. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It, there, it's Again, it's a gray area. There's no cut and dried right answer to this. Well, it's a creative choice. But uh, my issue is that I do feel like all this stuff that's kind of going on in the industry is affecting the way people are creating games, or at least making them like second-guess themselves. And I don't know if that's like ever a good thing for a creative person. Like I feel like a creative person just needs to take what's ever inside them and get it out. And not be concerned about like what someone else is going to think about it. Because if you look at the history of art, and whether you're talking about painting or music or any other form of art that you want to consider art, 
Like, the way stuff gets moved forward is the artist not being pressured by outside influences and just doing what feels right. Well, that's on the artist. So Right, but... You gotta ignore the noise and do what you gotta do. And but the problem, it's impossible now, though. It's like... No, it's not. Just turn Twitter off. Yeah. Like, just don't look at do the freaking internet. Yeah, but... I can I cannot look at Twitter for days. Trust well, me. Well, yeah. But it, like, if it, you're a major corporation who has millions of fans, you ah, can't well just, that, like, ignore... Well, that's different, man. That's, that's, you know, it's... You, art can't be made for an audience and remain a pure thing like you're talking about. You have to take into account that you the fact that you need people to pay money to experience this thing. You have to make it appealing. You have to make it appealing to a lot... You know, I mean, you can, like you said... Dragon's Crown doesn't have to appeal to as many people as Zelda does. Um, well, the irony here, too, though, is that if you look at it, it's like with Nintendo, it's actually listening to its audience that's going to, you know, it could make things stay the same. Like, it's fighting against keeping things the same. Like, I was talking about how... I think how, Nintendo's basic mode is to stay the same anyway. I think yeah. they're pre-inclined to listen to that part of the audience. Yeah, but, I mean, you could argue with this hardware, it's the exact opposite, because it does try to do new things with it. Some are successful, some aren't, but... To some degree, it, it tries to do new things, but to another degree, it tries to make the same system it sold you last time. Yeah. Well, then it also tries to use the same characters to sell you the new hardware idea, or the mm -hmm. same IP, as it were. Yeah, which works, you know, there's varying degrees of success on that. So I don't even know that, like, using this example is a good example of what I just said about artists. Because, mm -hmm. in this case, it's ironic that Nintendo is actually trying to... I mean, at this point, you're... you're, you're stick talking, to what it's done before. Well, you're, but also, you're trying to apply the, the artist argument to what is, you know, the video equivalent of, like, what? Like, Steven Spielberg? I mean, they're huge. It's yeah. huge. It's, it's, a, it's, a corp, it's a business. It's a business in the purest sense of the word, in the sense, in the sense that this is a 30-year-old brand that they are trying to continue to sell to people over and over again and new generations and get that generation attached so 30 years from now they can sell it to them again. Yeah. And again and again. And, you know, I understand, like, they're, you know, Nintendo probably had all this stuff, you know, locked into place a long time ago. I mean, what we're seeing here is, is the culmination of a long, lot of work, years and years of work. This is not something that they were like, oh, earlier this year people started talking about how they want Link to be, you know, you can pick whether he's a boy or a girl. Um... We should do that now. It's like, well, no. Like, I mean, I think this game's way too far along to incorporate that kind of feedback. Maybe the next time they'll do it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll it, see you in 2024 for, like, Zelda yeah, NX2. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, um, that's something that they would have had to decide on a long yeah. time ago. Like, you can't just write a female character into a story that's 30 or 40 hours mm -hmm. long. Well, like, especially if you've, got, um, if you've got full voice acting like this one seems to have... Um, if you've got, you know, that's a whole different set of animations in a lot of, in a lot of places. And I think part of it too is just what I, I talked about. But it's just like Ubisoft, topic. or Ubisoft got in trouble in, in Unity for doing that. And the next Assassin's Creed had not just you could play as a girl, but it had their two main characters was a, was a, were twins, male and female. Yeah. And uh, so Ubisoft at least learned there. Um, and I think Nintendo, Nintendo listens. I mean, it takes them a while, but they listen. Yeah. yeah, they, they, yeah I, I don't think I've ever really felt there was a time when Nintendo was just not listening to the audience. They, they, they'll always acknowledge it, and they'll be like, well, we're going to go, we're going to do this anyway, you know? Um, like, like Other M, where people like, had horrible feedback about it, they're like, we hear you, but we're just going to put that in a drawer for another decade yeah. or so, you know? So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, unfortunately, the, Nintendo's response to negative feedback doesn't seem to be, oh, next time we'll make it, you know, more like what people seem to want, or, or we'll add some new ideas in that regard along those lines. It seems to be like, just put, put it, it down, I just don't talk about it ever again until, yeah. like, everyone's forgotten, and then everybody's be happy to see it no matter what we make.
um, which I think has happened with Metroid and Star Fox. Yeah. Uh, didn't work yeah. out so well. No. Um, Star Fox also is another example of, like, you know, Miyamoto does sometimes get in his head that he doesn't want to do the same thing over and over again, and he refused to make a new Star Fox that was just a better-looking Star Fox. And judgment sometimes is wrong. And everyone, yeah, it's like Nintendo tends to zig when it should zag, and vice versa, yeah. it seems. Um, I'm hoping Breath of the Wild is not that. Yeah. Especially since it seems like Aonuma was very much in charge of this one. Well, another part of it, too, goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the topic, and what I've talked about a lot, actually, before on Game Face that I hate is expectations. Like, people expecting something to be a certain way, and when it's not that way, mm. the revolt happens. Um, I hate expectations. But, you know, part of the expectations for this game was generated by me and by other people who saw Linkle and were like, oh, it looks like there might be a female Link in the new Zelda Wii U. And people kind of get it in their minds like, oh, there might be I, there might be a girl that I can play mm -hmm. as. And then when it doesn't happen, because those expectations are there, that's kind of what generates the backlash. It's somehow disappointing, even though it's all on you right. for thinking that. Exactly, yeah. And that's why I try to keep expectations out of like any products I evaluate. Like, you know, it goes back to like the discussions that I've had about like uh, Resident Evil Six in the past, and people are like, "It's a god awful game." I'm like, "It's not an amazing game, but it's not god awful. It's only god awful if you wanted it to be like Resident Evil. If you look at it as just an action adventure <laughs> game." It's not a terrible game. It's expectations. It's there, like, there are situations in which someone would think Chris Redfield punching a boulder to dust is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, yeah. it's, it's all about context. If that wasn't Chris Redfield, if that was Kratos, you'd think that was cool. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But uh, this has been an interesting topic. I could actually sit here and probably talk to you mm. about this for like two hours. Like... But I know that everyone else doesn't feel that way. I'm going to look forward to that when Zelda comes out. Yeah, I'm sure some people who aren't into Nintendo probably just skipped right over this topic, which I think was a huge mistake. They're making their third sandwich. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people, like, <laughs> ask us for a long time when we post the, the show, you know, put the time code in there so I right. can skip topics so I, I don't care about. skip your 30-minute complaint about whatever we're Yeah, yeah but the thing is, about. is, like, you don't know if you care about that topic until, like, you listen to it. It's like uh, some people will blow past this topic and be like, oh, they're talking about Zelda. I don't care about Nintendo, next topic. But I feel like they've missed like a really interesting discussion, not just about Nintendo or about Zelda, but just about games in general, the creative process, artists. I mean, these are like cultural issues that we're talking about here. Not, it's not just about Nintendo and Zelda. So. All right, so let's pretend like the conversation was just like the most amazing thing we've ever talked about. And you can put the break right before we yeah, say Yeah, we'll put that. the break right here. Yeah. Matt, that was like the greatest topic we ever had I on Game I think we solved Face. everything right we just, there. We figured it all it's, out right there. It's all going to be okay from now on, folks. Yeah. All right, now let's move on to the next topic. You're welcome, Britain. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the next topic. We're going to talk about Microsoft at E3. We promised we wouldn't talk about Microsoft or E3 last week, but we're breaking our own rule. We're going to talk about it. And the reason we're going to talk about it is because Phil Spencer has been coming under pressure. Uh, Microsoft in general has been coming under pressure for its E3 showing. A lot of people unhappy, although Pactor was not one of them, I might add. Yeah, Pactor was very positive. <laughs> Pactor's E3 press conference analysis blew my mind. <laughs> it really did. Like, because I was also talking to him, you know, before we we're shooting, like when I'm setting up with him or whatever, we just shoot the shit, for lack of a better phrase, and talk about what's been going on and like. You have a little more time to work with when you shoot at his house. Yes, we do. Yeah, it's and it's also easier because we have more room to like set up lights and everything, and it's and more he is relaxed. Pants, right? 
he is wearing pants. Well, he's wearing shorts. <laughs> right, yeah. okay. Because every once in a while the knee comes up. And I'm like, mm, I know he's relaxed, but geez. But, uh, so 30 we, Pactor Factors. Yeah. That's, that's, I was like, wow, there's been 30. 30. Isn't it hard to believe? Yeah. It went fast. But, uh, you know, we were shooting the shit before we were, as I was setting up everything before we shot the next round, and uh, <laughs> we were talking about the press conference, and he just complained the whole time about Ubisoft. It was like, oh, that thing, and blah. Oh, yeah, he hated that beginning. Well, but then he gives it best press conference. <laughs> like, you just never know what the man's going to say. That's why I love him. Like, he's completely unpredictable, which is one of his endearing qualities. But, uh, yeah, he hated the Just Dance intro, and he thinks Aisha Tyler's a terrible host. <laughs> like, that's like... <laughs> sitting there and just let the camera roll. I'm like, you go pack. Like, I, 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 I really desperately want to ask a follow-up question. But what is steep for? Yeah, I like, know. He, tell us. He called him a bunch of dancing fruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I was, was like, a, wasn't I mean, there like dancing fruit in it? I couldn't remember. And yeah, I went back I and watched. Remember, yeah, and I couldn't remember. He's like, oh, like something like kind of like air guitar. I'm like, was that air guitar? I'm like, oh, it yeah, was, it was air yeah, guitar. <laughs> Great. He hated it, but it really burned into his memory. Yeah, apparently. Pac is great. I really love that guy. He's a good dude. So, so anyway, he he liked the Microsoft press conference. He thought yeah. it was like on par with Sony's and like right well, up there. Because well, he, he he's like you know he's a businessman. So, well, yeah, so, he's like Sony is for us, the gamers, right. and uh, and Microsoft is more geared toward the investor types and the business types who want to see who these people are and how they handle themselves and who's leading these projects and that kind of thing. And I get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I didn't hate Microsoft's press conference. It's no, just, I didn't either. It's like, but yeah, as, as someone who, you know, in, we the, in the end came from the world of like, I want to play awesome video games and that's why I'm here, like Sony's press conference spoke to me yeah yeah and we did look we did at least i know i yeah. personally cri- did criticize microsoft's press conference for having that same cycle of here's mm-hmm. gears here's forza here's blah 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 and that's what's been coming down on microsoft since e3 people are like where are the new games mm-hmm. you showed us pretty much the same lineup i mean think about yeah. it they showed pretty much the same lineup two years in a row so mm-hmm. phil spencer phil spencer's excuse or explanation, I prefer to call it an excuse, is, and he tried to do this last year too, is we show games that are coming out now. Well, except last year they showed games that are coming out this year. Well, <laughs> like, well they thought a lot of them were A lot of delays, out. yeah, but I, it's like, you know, last year I think also Microsoft had very little in the chamber. Yeah. You know, like they were, there was a little catch-up being played on the Xbox One, and I think they're getting there this year. So, but they're back. You know, they used, they've done I this forever. I would contend there's still nothing in the chamber. Well, I mean, they showed the same games they showed last year. Right, but they've at least got them coming out this year. Yeah, but well, first of all, him saying that is bullcrap because all the games they showed out showed last year still haven't come out, and here we are at right. E3 this year. But traditionally, Microsoft has stuck to stuff that's coming this calendar year. Like, right. You know, they've, and last year was actually a little weird in the sense that, like, a lot of that was far. Crackdown? Yeah. You still haven't seen Crackdown. I mean... Yeah, I mean, he... That's what I'm saying. Like, he's using why it Crackdown as an excuse. Like, because they do it. Last well, year... Well, right. They, it's, like, it's like, hey, at least you'll be playing all this stuff that we showed this year. I'm like, well, yeah, but I don't... I don't care. What about Phantom <laughs> Dust? That game's never coming out. They showed it like two years ago. Like, well, now that now it's just a remake. It's right. not a totally reimagining thing. Right. But you know, I'm sure we'll see it next year, and we'll play it next November. But like, so here's why I want to discuss this. I think we're both in agreement. But I've also seen people criticize Sony for the reverse, where there's like Sony showing us a bunch of stuff we're not going to get to play until sometime next year. No, I've seen people criticize Sony for that. But here's why we want to talk about this: because it freaking works. That strategy works. Teasing, 
It works on everybody. Look at the PlayStation 4. It's outpacing the PlayStation 2. It's outselling the greatest selling console of all time. I don't think that has anything to do with their E3 press conference. Really? Yeah. That's what everybody watches. Nobody fucking knows that happened. What do you mean? The people that that have made the system a 40 million million unit seller... Don't know what E3 is for the most yes, part. Yes, they do. No, they don't. That's why they bought you, a... You said yourself... Was it you? It you wasn't remember? me. No, someone was saying how they were talking <laughs> sure to... Sure the hell wasn't Someone me. was talking to people on League of Legends who didn't know what E3 was. Oh, yeah, I said that. Yeah. yeah I totally said that. That kid's but, like eight years old. That's not the people dude, who buy the PlayStation You 4. are overestimating Matt, the reach of well, E3. It, yeah. oh, well, then answer me this. How did the PlayStation 4 destroy the Xbox One if people don't watch E3? That's exactly better, how it destroyed better, the Xbox Better pricing, one. better games, word Nobody of mouth. Nobody knew that unless they watched E3. Nobody watched E3 and decided that and made that a hit. You're crazy. We did it first. We were the early adopters. But, okay, go out to Santa Monica Pier, wherever the people do the man on the street shit, and find me someone that knows what Horizon Zero Dawn is. Oh, I, I guarantee I can do that. I guarantee I can go find somebody. It. In Venice Beach, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Venice Beach is full of dorks, though. They're full of gamers and subculture people. Guarantee I'll find someone who knows Horizon there. And are, you, are you seriously telling me right now that Microsoft's E3 press conference, where it was like, we're going to like cut, get rid of like reselling games, everything's going to be digital, and then Sony, three hours later, coming out and saying, we aren't doing that, had no impact on PlayStation 4 winning. Are you really saying that right now? PlayStation 4 was already winning. What are you talking about? What do you mean? They've no, already it, sold that many. when they were announced, Matt. Back when they announced the consoles and their strategies. I thought you meant this year. No. I'm talking about way back. Um, you the said vast no. majority of people who no. play... What Matt, started this, Matt, was you said nobody cares about E3. E3 doesn't do shit. And my point was, the hell it doesn't. The E3 it does decided shit. this console war. E3 does... I don't agree with that at all. Really? Because it wasn't the freaking games. PlayStation had no freaking games. It still doesn't really have any PlayStation, games. PlayStation... It all won because of E3. It won because... Because it had the better hardware, it had the better Nobody reputation. Nobody knew that. No one knew well, that. Well, they knew it after the people who are like us You are it. wrong on this one. No, I don't think so. What? People don't... E3 doesn't win system wars. E3 that one did. People, that one absolutely did. That's the I, whole story everyone of else I know. Everyone else I know who is not an industry person, who still plays games and buys, has a PS4 and bought a PS4 to play... None of them watched E3. No, None of them no see but that. what happened was the that. people who did watch E3 all bought a PlayStation 4, and then all those people that didn't watch E3 ask the people who did watch E3, which one should I buy? And they tell them, buy the PlayStation 4. It's more powerful. It's more consumer-friendly. That's how it works, man. But we know that if from If E3 play- didn't do anything, they wouldn't have E3. But I it bo- wouldn't exist. Most of us bought both of them, though, and decided we liked the PlayStation 4 better after right. hands-on time. And so those time. people ask us, no, that's not why. It has better games, ultimately. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with E3. It has to do with our experience with the system. No, we, uh, we, uh, we bought both right at the launch. But people, after that E3, we were the ones out evangelizing. We're the ones that said, oh, don't buy Xbox One. You're be able to sell your used games it sucks like i didn't say that because that wasn't the case no they flip-flopped like three months later but right after e3 happened like that was the story that was disseminated out to everyone it is absolutely why playstation won this generation how else can you explain microsoft's dominance last generation just people bailing in droves from that to go to playstation 4 just like that like Everybody loved their Xbox 360. It wasn't like a brand loyalty issue. It was E3, where Microsoft came out with all these anti-consumer 
ideas and theories. And then literally less than 24 hours later, Sony's like, we're not doing any of that. And it was over right then. Game over. Everybody knows that, Matt. I can't, you're the first person I ever heard say that that's not what determined the war. I don't. I just don't think it builds builds the momentum that you're so thinking. So tell of. me why you think Sony won. Because people bought people the early adopters bought both. PlayStation Four was a superior experience, and word of mouth drove that for the next two years. I but I don't wouldn't even agree with that. I would say the first year, software wise, Xbox One had way better software. But the PS4 even played the multi platform stuff better, and you're also underestimating the fact that the Call of Duty tie in is pleased to PlayStation Four this time. Right, and why did Call of Duty go to PlayStation this time? Because it had already won the console war. It was actually on board with Microsoft right up until then. And as soon as that happened, they were like, later. Because they're smart. They I saw what happened right in front of their face. I think more of that has to do with the power differential. I don't. Power, you know, Matt. Power has nothing to do with the console war. It doesn't never. have anything to do with it the console has, war. But it has. It to, never But it will. has to do with which system a developer would prefer to work on. All the multi-platform games are still coming out for Xbox One. Yeah, but you've got better performance on the PS4. It doesn't matter. Nobody cared. Nobody cared last generation. People care enough to make that. People care enough. In the PlayStation 2 generation. No one cared in the PlayStation 1. Well, they care now. They don't. The the people who are like like us care a lot, even if we've even made fun of how much they care about that, about how like the discussions about these games on NeoGAF and other places are all about P's and 1080p's and 60 frames per second and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? It's not, you know... Now, see, now you're, but you're now delaying your own argument. Now you're talking about the coorest of the core. No, We're not. talking about the people who and bought I'm talk- the 40 million. Right, and I'm talking about those people are who make those recommendations to the people who don't make up the core, and those people that take those recommendations have the better experience, and that's how it spreads. No. Well, yes, that is how retail works, so I'm right. Um, I disagree completely. I'm not saying you're wrong or I'm right. I'm just saying I completely disagree. I just think the the E3, while it's a huge media thing, and the journalists, game journalists certainly help sell the PlayStation 4 to the core, core demographic, like... That wouldn't matter if the people who bought that system, or both systems, a lot of people bought both. I would argue that it wouldn't matter if they didn't have a better experience with that system than Microsoft. And Microsoft also, beyond E3, gave the Xbox One, and more importantly, the Xbox One's OS, to people at Microsoft who had nothing to do with games. I it's would still argue catching up. the press had the least amount to do with one company winning a generation, this generation, than ever. It was all about that E3. No one knows that Because after that E3 happened, the journalists were actually the level-headed people saying, you guys are completely overreacting to this. And it was too late. It was over. Go look at Twitter. After that E3 press conference, it exploded with people being like, screw Microsoft. Like... I think you're thinking like it's still like the PlayStation 2 era where there wasn't social media. Social media has changed everything. Like trending hashtags, Facebook, Twitter. You're still talking about thousands, not millions in that sense. <laughs> what? In terms of people tweeting social about who media? won E3? Yeah. You should go back and look at what trended for four days straight. It was all hashtags that were basically translated, F off Microsoft, translated PlayStation 4 rules. That was all social media well, was then, for that whole week. Well, I think you should go outside our industry bubble and try to talk to other people I about, what, ha- about what happened cousins then and, and find someone that knows that that was a thing because most people I know outside of our industry circles would have no idea that that even happened that year. Because they don't we care about Twitter. Because we're just going in circles at this point. But 
I will, till the day I die, I will believe that this console generation was decided in 24 hours of that E3. Always. Like, it, to me, it's obvious. Like, if the PlayStation 4 had not been a better experience than the Xbox One, that wouldn't, momentum would not have continued past that fall. But what better experience? Everybody loved Xbox Live. PSN was they not They didn't love it when they Xbox played it on the Live. Xbox One. What do you yeah. mean? I mean, the Xbox One. They never played it if they bought a PlayStation 4, Matt. They never played Xbox Live the, on the Xbox One. But the early One. adopter... God, you even made the point your fucking self. If the... If, the early adopters who make the recommendations did buy both, and they thought the Xbox. Well, I certainly did. Thought the Xbox One's OS was not sufficient. It was all about being a set-top box. It was not about being a gaming system. And Sony gave it a gaming system. It was anti-consumer. And then they made the video. Well, it was a where rent, they, where they, they mentioned TV a million times in their press cut. It was all about that Ether again. That's not E3. Right back to that, it. That's not E3. That's their strategy. Their strategy didn't work. Where on any do level. they share their strategy, Matt? Well, the where, backlash, where is the one chance every year that every platform holder gets to share its strategy? Well, the backlash happened it? long before E3, and it happened long after. It didn't, though. That's where they announced everything. But everybody Matt. knew that was coming. Everyone was waiting for that terrible DRM thing that had leaked before. I that now you're talking about things that the average person knows nothing about. Right, because you're talking. I mean, about E3. you're talking about like. The chorus of the chorus of the chorus of the core. You're still talking about that when you're talking about E3 memes. You're crazy. Nobody knows what that is beyond anyway, a certain let's get, level. Let's get back on you're topic. You're talking about five figures, not six figures. Let's get back on topic. seven. Because I don't think anyone can argue that Microsoft's E3 strategy has blown since that E3. That's where it really jumped the shark. Well, at this point, they're basically telling you to get a PC. So I don't, I don't understand what they're trying to do anymore. Well, the, the, top, the point of this topic was Microsoft is trying to play its own game instead of watching Sony's game and realizing that it's successful. So instead of Phil Spencer saying, you know what? Like, people like seeing stuff that's not going to come out for two or three years. Nobody complained about seeing the Final Fantasy VII remake last year, even though we all knew it wasn't going to be coming out for... It may not ever freaking come out. Who knows? It's Square. But the, the bottom line is Microsoft is trying to play its own game, and it's a losing game. And... The, I don't think they have a choice. That's point. what I was going to get at, is that I think Phil Spencer is trying to say, oh, this is a choice that we've made. But I don't think it really is a choice. Well, I, think I, it's, I think it's just the track they've ended yes, up on. Yes, I just think it just doesn't have enough exclusive software right. or enough partnerships with developers to be able to do what Sony is doing. Well, certainly I don't think they have the partnerships and I don't think they have the plans that go that far out to be able to do what Sony's doing. Because... Sony's got momentum behind it, and Sony's got plans that they haven't had to change drastically because everything's worked so far. So Microsoft, I think, is still in the middle of basically pivoting in a very real sense, and all they've got right now is what they've already got in the pipeline outside of Crackdown, which apparently we don't get to see today. Yeah, I, uh, I like Phil a lot. And I've liked Phil for a long time. Before he was the head of Xbox, I interviewed him like every year at E3, and he is just like a great guy. A great guy, like a your bro. Like you would be friends with him if you lived in the same town as him. He's like just like us. He loves games. He's not like I mean, you see quotes of his in the media about him congratulating Sony on their success and talking about games that aren't available on his platform. You've seen Shuhei do a little bit of that as well on the mm -hmm. Sony side. He's a good dude. But he, and it, look, it may, he, he doesn't have, have a choice. choice. No. Yeah, it may just he can't be just like, be like, you're right, we fucked up, we have no plan for the next year, 
everyone's in chaos back home. No one can even eat. Like, it's, like he, he, does, he can't he have do to that. admit that. But he could say to himself, "Man, we screwed up." He might like, be. We just crapped the bed. But if he had done that, this year's E3 wouldn't have been the way it was because mm. the same thing happened last year, and he was making the same excuses after E3 last year. Well, he I said want... the same thing. I bet you, if you Google it, you'll find the same exact quote from him after E3 2015 is after E3 2016, where he says, we show stuff that's coming out. Well, I want, I mean, they've, they've used that line for a long time. Now. Right, but and like, it doesn't work. Well, I wonder if this year might be different because Sony went so different, Frank. You know, you know Sony's pre- never done a press conference like that yeah. before, and I know uh, they said that, you know, I think they said to Keeley, it was like, you know, it was a fight to make that happen. You know, like, a lot of people internally, I think, at Sony didn't believe that was the way well, to go. you also have a lot of executives who want are making, have their time making and, crap tons of money who are like, I want to be on freaking stage. Right. And I got a lot of pull in this company, and if I can get on stage, my ass is going to be on mm-hmm. that stage. I mean, you're fighting, like, egos of people who make millions of dollars a year, like... Like now, I'm wondering if like next year, like all the other press conferences will be just like Sony's, and Sony will have like, that'd be great. A, a, Sony will have a talking head panel. <laughs> they just flip the script. It's, it's like ha ha, and like somehow <laughs> Sony's will be the best one again. <laughs> because it really does come down. To Andrew games. House made a really good point. That was the moment of E3. Right because there, what right it really ma- what really matters is like the games that you see, and regardless, right. no one's sitting there watching like Days Gone or Death Stranding, and while they're watching it, saying. This isn't coming out for three years. Nobody does that. Well, I did that when I watched Death Stranding. People get excited about it. They're like, oh my god, it's Final Fantasy VII completely remastered and remade. Oh my god. It's like, that's what happens. And then, sure. No, wait, it's episodic. Wait, we don't know how many discs it is. Right. And, and then as you walk away. Reality sets in in a few months. And yeah, then like, but okay. still, you get excited about it. And, it, and like, there's no excitement about around Microsoft's press conferences anymore. There's just none. Like... I remember when it was over and like we're sitting here talking like there was no like we just weren't hype. Mm-hmm. We weren't excited. It's like people watch E3 well, press no conferences to here. get hype. Like they want they want to feel the power of the industry and of E3 and like Microsoft just kind of waltzing out there and being like, "Yep, we showed you this last year and here it is again, but more of it." Like mm-hmm. that just it just doesn't get it done. And some of it was better than what we sh- they'd shown last year. But it's like, I think only well, EA... Well, they had the hardware that kind of saved the day. Only and... EA's press conference had fewer surprises. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair assessment. But to me, Microsoft needs to really look in the mirror after this E3. If it even cares anymore about the console market. It may not. Mm-hmm. Like, it may not even give a crap about Xbox brand anymore. It may just care yeah, about selling software. It gives a crap. It's just like, I think they're really changing how they think about selling it. You know, if they're, if they're really going for this play anywhere thing with the windows 10 thing then you know it's like if if you choose to play you know our games on an xbox or an xbox scorpio or whatever it is like fine if you choose to play on windows 10 that's also fine we're not gonna you know they're not you know there used to be that period where you know when like you know jay allard was in charge of the three you know introducing the 360 and they were talking about changing the world with the xbox live marketplace and and it did it was right it did it absolutely (laughs) did it didn't change it in all the ways they thought it was going to do, but you know we're a long way from the time when a man in a in a hoodie slash sport coat can sit on the stage cross-legged with all with all our bros and talk about how you know uh, Velocity Girl is going to sell you a Tony Hawk T-shirt for five bucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know we're we're in a world where it's almost like you want to hang on to these people on any platform you can get them on for any reason. And it's like, we're not married to the idea that Xbox is the thing everybody plays video games on anymore. Maybe we just want them in the Microsoft environment, you know, hell or high water. That, and to me, is a losing strategy. I think, I, th- I agree with you. I think it's too diluted. And I think 
there's nothing to focus on, and you, you're leaving out like a large chunk of the core demographic, which, if your point about what one the generation holds is exactly the demographic you need to court to get your brand ahead again, and if, and if they're all playing on PC, they're not going to be advocating Xbox. Yeah. Whether or not they're advocating PlayStation 4, they're not going to be out there telling people to buy an Xbox. They're, just, there, they're telling people to buy a new NVIDIA card. I just don't see Microsoft adapting to the changing times in the industry. It just doesn't seem like it... Well, I think they had like a 20-year plan, and things turned out very differently somewhere around year 10 than they yeah. thought they would. And, it, you know, Microsoft's a giant, steaming corporate ship, and that's a hard thing to turn on a dime. Yeah. You know, and the question becomes, like, was this generation an iceberg, or was it just a course correction? Yeah. I don't know. In my opinion, Microsoft needs to play the game everyone else is playing. Like, like I get Nintendo's Blue Ocean, Blue Ocean strategy, and everybody can't do their own thing. But it's not even because, like, clearly one thing is working, and Sony's doing it. There's a big difference between like a Blue Ocean strategy, where you take these crazy strides out into a territory no one else has, mm-hmm. and just going against the grain. Like, there's a difference between. Coming up with great ideas that people are going to get on board with and just being like the malcontent and the contrarian. And that's the vibe I'm getting from Microsoft. Is It's like, it's just pissed off and it's getting its butt kicked and it's making excuses for why it's happening. Well, I wonder if there's Instead also... of adjusting and saying, look, this is what the guys who are winning are doing. And I mean, look, it did do it after the E3 we were talking about where the announcements happened and Microsoft was doomed and Sony went on to win. Mm-hmm. Like, it immediately reversed all those anti-consumer policies that it had and... They booted what's-his-name out, and they brought Phil Spencer in to run Xbox. But since that happened, it is not watched what the winner is doing and tried to emulate it. You don't want to do it 100% because you can never beat someone at their own game. But there's just certain parts of certain expectations, there's that word again, that people have of things like E3. And it's like, I want to dream big at E3. Like, I want, I don't... I don't really care that like I'm not going to play these games for a while. I want to see possibilities that'll make my mind go wild and it'll generate conversation like this on like our show for the next year or whatever. Like that's what I want to see from E3. I don't want to see what I expect to see. That's not what people go to E3 for. That's not why people fly from Germany to go to E3 or from Japan to go to E3 or Australia or wherever. Like they people... fly to get free wave birds. I think that's when that all started. <laughs> Nintendo gave out wave birds in 2003, and now everybody. everybody and Microsoft wants them. gave out 360 slims. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no wonder everybody goes to the Xbox press conference every morning. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that Microsoft kind of goes against the spirit of E3. They're, they're trying to say the part of E3 that everyone gets really excited about and makes it what it is. We don't want to have any part to do with it. Well, I think I don't know how much of it is that, and how much of it might be that, like, they're you know, I have no proof of this. I don't, I'm speaking completely out of my ass on this, but I get the strange feeling that, like, you know, whatever their internal projections for how things were going to go in the industry, like, were way off. Yeah. And I think part well, of your way off from what their initial strategy right. was. And I think, but part of your proof, I think, is last year's Hololens presentation, yeah. and this year's total lack of a Hololens presentation. Yeah. Where it's like, I think they thought things were going to break in a very different direction, and you know, it's hard to if you're wrong-footed that way to suddenly turn it around and be and come up with a whole new game plan. And I, I would think or hope that that is happening internally, but they're not there yet. And maybe Scorpio is sort of their fresh start in that regard, but. If if that is the case, <laughs> they're pushing everybody away. They're like, right, but, but, you don't need to buy a console anymore. 
Well, right. It's, but it's, by our console. Well, that's what I mean. It's like it's, it's weirdly con- it's weirdly contradictory. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're banking on the, the idea that people can't afford a gaming PC in comparison to a Scorpio. Yeah. Um, and I just you know I guess their E3 showing next year is going to be telling in that it's, regard. It's it's got to be telling. different. It's, it, I mean, it'll it will set the the pace and the charts for the rest of their the history of their business. In all honesty, because. You have to provide a compelling reason to get someone to buy a piece of hardware. That's the bottom line, mm-hmm. and that's where it struck out for the last several years. Is like, it really just comes down to the software. It when you get into this deep into a console's life cycle, and like, its first year was good, and I would say even great compared to PlayStation Four, and even last year to a certain extent. I mean, don't forget, Q4 for PlayStation Four last year was so bad that Andrew House admitted it was terrible and was like, that's disappointing, like, we miscalculated, blah, blah, blah. Like, but it's not enough. Like, Microsoft needs to... Even with that, yeah. last, last year, Xbox One still didn't make up Yeah, I mean, round. it had one month where it won. I think it was, like, October mm-hmm. of last year or something. Like, that's all it could eke out from that. So, I don't know. The, the bottom line is Microsoft needs to make changes, not in just how it presents E3, but pretty much everything it's doing right now, if it wants to be competitive in the future, it's not competitive now. It's not. It's not even a competition. Well, I don't right think now. it has things that are exciting right now. You know, I mean, it's not, not like I'm trying to disparage stuff like Forza Horizon 3 or Gears 4 or whatever, but it's like, does that fire you up the way something like, you know, a total reinvention of God of War does? Or a, I mean, and God of War is a sequel. I mean, it's, it's not it's not like a brand new I thing. I mean, look, they could have done Horizon the same... Or Horizon Zero Dawn or anything. I mean, they could have done the party. same thing with Gears. Yeah. I mean, Gears of War could have been a brand totally new different move. On, yeah. They could have done it, but they didn't. Like, it's like I said, it's that cycle. Crank out and, another and it's Gears, even crank worse out another Forza. Well, it's an even worse when you think about back in the 360, the height of the 360 era when Microsoft's first and second party stuff was unparalleled. Yeah. I mean, PlayStation 3 always had some really good internal development happening. But, like, there was a period where it was like, man, Microsoft just has this cornered on all the developers they've got in their pocket on this stuff. And it really worked. And then all of a sudden they got rid of all that and they kind of went for this new, like, sort of cable box strategy and it blew up in their face. The most telling thing to me to show the whole shift is... Look at the PS2 backwards compatible games on PlayStation 4. They're awful. Hmm. Like, first party games in the PlayStation 2 era for Sony were terrible. Terrible. Like, they had nothing. Dude, like, they're putting out, like, War of of the Monsters. You're saying you're not enjoying Primal? That's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) look at how quickly that flipped. And that's what really hurt Sony at the beginning of that generation of PS3 and Xbox Mm. 360 is that its first party was not there. But it realized it. Yeah, it, it was did. like our over the course of PlayStation Three. Yeah, over the and course of PlayStation 3's life, you see them by become the end, what they are now. By the end, they had got probably even eclipsed Microsoft by the end of that generation. I would agree with that. And yeah. then that momentum just carried right over. And look, the games haven't come out as quickly as I would have liked on the PlayStation Four from first party. I'll mm-hmm. admit it. Um, but still, I mean, even with that anemic output, I feel like it's still been superior to Xbox One so far, purely because. Xbox isn't taking risks with its IPs that it has, mm-hmm. and it's not introducing new IP that dream big. And I think their, e th- their E3 showing this year and last year is a direct reflection of that corporate strategy. Why is and that? And then their excuse think? is, we're showing games that are coming out. Like, but why is that? Do you th- like, why do you think Microsoft stopped dreaming? I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe it got too happy, too comfortable and too happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, look... I, it would I just think, cruise along in the Xbox 360 era. Yeah. It worked. Like, they were able to keep putting out Gears and Forza and Fable over and over and over again, and people kept buying them. 
But once people made that switch from mm -hmm. Xbox brand to PlayStation at the beginning of this generation, that no longer was enough to excite people to make the decision of its box over mm -hmm. PlayStation. And well, now PlayStation's first party stuff is like great. Right. So. But I also think part of it comes from like, I, th I think Microsoft got a little greedy in the sense of, not just in the DRM thing, but I think they got a little greedy in the sense that they, I think they jumped the gun on the set-top box thing. Probably. I think they, they moved too, you know, you hit that point where, like, looking at the promotional... We all knew that was their strategy all along. Right. I mean, they, yeah. that's what they always wanted, but I think yeah. they were they got there too early. I think this generation was too soon for that, and I yeah. think... I don't know if any generation will ever maybe work, not. to be honest. Maybe not. I mean, well, especially not after this. Right. <laughs> because I think this poisoned that well to some degree. It's been a debacle. And, like, I think you hit a point where, you know... They forgot to remind people it's a game console, and you had you know all their marketing, all their marketing, a lot of the run up to the Xbox One launch. You're like, well, wait, it plays games, right? Yeah. Not, it's not just an ESPN box, right? You know? Yeah, and Which so, is ultimately what I ended up using it for, right? <laughs> and Sony never ever marketed the PlayStation Four as anything other than here's your new game console. Play games, yep, and it worked. Yeah. So we should move on. We probably talked about this a little too long. Spirited discussion, though, a good one. A tad. Let's move on. The last topic of the big six today. The Technomancer. Yeah. Oh, and Vin Hill points out uh, another good point is that one of the reasons 360 did well is because Sony screwed up. Yeah, with the price point. And blah, price blah, blah. point and the cell processor and the difficulty of all that. Yeah. Because yeah. there was a huge gap between oh, yeah. multi-platform games. Oh, yeah. Right at the, initially, at least. Yeah, like, and until the, the multi-platform developers figured out how to make the cell processors to do what they needed it to do, like, to emulate what the normal hardware already did. Right, because this, this generation, it's like, the really hardcore people are like, 900p or 1080p, like, most people cannot tell the difference between 900p and 1080p. And they both, you know, the frame rates may dip slightly a little bit more on mm -hmm. Xbox One. But for the most part, like, multi-plats are pretty equal this generation. It was a huge gap last generation, yeah. at least at the, at the outset of it. So, yeah, there's really, that excuse doesn't really fly with me so much for this generation, unfortunately. So let's move on and talk about the Technomancer. Uh, this is a game that probably hasn't been on a lot of people's radars. Um, there wasn't a ton of marketing for the game, uh, but I do feel like we did try to feature it because it was kind of a game that had caught our eye on Sifted uh, in the limited amount of media that was released for it. Um, so, against my better judgment, I have decided to tackle this game. <laughs> like uh, you're doing the eval? or I am doing the eval. I got in on it early, though. I've had it for like a week now. Um, I just haven't had a ton of time to really just sit down and just play like a 12 or 13 hour session at once. I am up to about 19 or 20 hours of play at this point. Um, man, where do I start with this game? The first thing I would say about this game is it makes a terrible first impression. <laughs> terrible. It is... Mars Warlogs was like that, too. Oh. Like, I literally... I was like, I'm going to give this to somebody else. But I only had one code. How's the voice acting? It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird because, like, yeah. some of it's, like, pretty good... But then every once in a while, like, they pronounce something really weird. Mm -hmm. But it's so bizarre. It's like the same character who has spoken perfect English for rungs and rungs of script will just read one sentence that you're just like, what? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> the same with, like, the subtitles. Like, some of them, like, the grammar and the spelling is so good that as a journalism major, I'm like, wow, whoever worked on this is great. And then, like... Ten minutes later, the, it just something is just butchered. Like, 
The whole game's kind of like that. That's a good way to describe the whole game. There's moments of it where it's just, you're like, wow, this is really good stuff. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, what the, what are they thinking? <laughs> the first thing I would say is, someone, it, it's a, it, look, it's a moderately open world action RPG. If you're looking for a world as big as like The Witcher 3 or Fallout 4 mm. or anything like that, you don't get that here. Like, by open world standards, the world is pretty small. Like, there's one section where, like, you get in a ship and you fly to this other place, and it's literally, like, the size of, like, a shopping mall, and then you get back on the plane, like, fly back. Mm-hmm. It, seems like, it seems like the Witcher 2 approach, where it's, like, large, discrete locations. I wouldn't even say it's as big as the Witcher 2, to be honest with you. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty darn sick of the environment at this point. Like, mm-hmm. that map that you're seeing coming up, by the way, that is one of the coolest features of this game, the map, the overlay map. Like... You can squeeze the right trigger, and like the the bigger map will appear over top of the screen. I'm to the point in this game where I don't even really watch where I'm running anymore. I just look at my little icon running through the blue tunnels, like to go from one waypoint to another. So this game starts out like really slow, and I don't mean like there's nothing to do because they throw like a boss fight at you right at the beginning of the game, and you don't see another boss like that for like 14 hours. Like they tried, like you can almost tell like the focus. Is it this dark? It, that the game is really dark. The yeah. whole game is freaking dark. Like if you try to play this at daytime on your TV, you won't be able to see it at all. <laughs> like I tried to play a couple hours during the day, and I had to pull like all the blinds down. And I had my TV set up to like bright, bright light. T- like it doesn't matter. The game is just dark. And it's so back to what I was saying is like it's it's you can almost see that they did focus testing on this game, and like their focus testers were like the beginning of this game sucks. Like. <laughs> And then they were like, okay, well, let's throw this boss fight that we did have for, like, level 10 right here at the beginning. Because the beginning of the game is horribly balanced. Like, when you start out, you feel so underpowered and so weak. You have to fight, like, stupid battles with just, like, rank-and-file enemies, like, five or ten times in a row to, like, beat them. There's you like could, you could be reviewing Mars Warlogs. It's, oh, it's really? Exact it's the same, same thing. thing. Like, yeah, you, like the you're, beating, of the game, you're beating up guys with sticks, and you're just like, if I get hit one more time, I'm dead. I'm dead. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Like the first like probably eight hours of this game, that's the way it is. Like you whack somebody like fifty times, mm-hmm. they hit you twice, and you die. Yeah, and it's like that. I actually wouldn't have. That would be like Dark Souls if it was just like you're taking on like one or two guys, but there's like five. And they're all attacking you at once, and there's, like, staggers, and, like, it just turns into, like, mush, the whole game does, for the first, like, literally, like, eight or nine hours. I, w- I went on Twitter, I was like, man, I'm about to throw my controller out the window, I was so fed up with it, and then I was like, alright, well, I'm just gonna start grinding. And that's what I did. I just went and just played through every side mission that I could. And there are so many side missions in this game. Like, once I really started doing them, it's like the typical open-world action RPG where you start one, and then you meet, like, three other people, and then they, mm-hmm. hey, I'll give you one. And it just, like, balloons and butterflies out until you, literally, the whole map is just covered with icons for side missions. The game, once I decided to do that, literally became, like, just running from one icon <laughs> to the next and just watching my XP and my levels just mm-hmm. roll and once I like did that till I got up like a couple three levels higher than I was supposed to be, then the game became enjoyable. And now I am actually enjoying the game. The combat sucks, no matter <laughs> what, dude. Like it just sucks. There's no rhythm to the combat whatsoever. Like in the early going, I'm like, okay, 
I'm doing something wrong here. Why mm -hmm. am I getting my butt whooped? Like, there's got to be some kind of a little trick to the combat that I missed. There's not. Like, there's just mm -hmm. no rhythm to it. Like, this game would do very well if it had, like, almost like context-sensitive icons that show you, like, the timing of mm -hmm. when you're supposed to, like, throw the next strike. Because, like, you, you, you issue one attack, and it hits. And you issue the second attack. But once you issue that first attack, that enemy is starting to back away from you. You issue that second attack. By the time you issue that second attack, you've barely caught the enemy. If you issue that third attack right away, you're going to whiff. And so if they had some kind of a system in here that like showed you when the timing of when you should attack to get into a rhythm, even if it was just for the first couple hours of the game until you learn it, it would have made the opening of this game so much better. Um, but it is a grind and a drag when you first start playing this game. And the boss fight they give you cannot save it. But I'm telling you, if you bought this game already and you're thinking about returning it or giving it away or whatever, stick with it. Like, because if you actually do grind, and you can't even, the funny thing is you can't even grind it first. Because there aren't even side missions to grind. Right. So you have to just... It sounds like they just made the same game again. Everything, oh, really? Everything you're saying here sounds very familiar to me as someone who played Mars Warlogs. Oh, really? I, haven't, I have this. I have not had time to play it because I focused on Force Awakens yeah. in preparation for the show because I figured you were doing this, so yeah. we're good. But it sounds exactly like what I played in Mars Warlogs. Down to the point that like once I hit Act 2 in Mars, because the beginning of Mars Warlogs is like a prison escape thing, yeah. which like you do this exactly the same thing. The first fights are really hard, and then you do a bunch of fetch quest, side quest stuff, and it levels you up beyond you, anything you could even use at the time. Yeah. Like I, I was like, I'm out of skills. I can't. I don't have any more skills I can buy. I don't. I don't want anything. This and is like, a then little all of a sudden better kind of, balanced in that regard. Like it I'm looks still like, only like a third of the way through like the skill trees and everything. It looks like the hit. Well, I, I like would. I mean, I maxed out basically the skills that I had unlocked at that. Oh, point. Well, got you, got you. Eventually, you get more. But like at the time, I was like, I got nothing else to, to do. I was yeah. like. But like, it looks like maybe the combat is a little better here, just in terms of like, because like, there's a lot of stuff, especially early on in Mars Warlords, where you're like, you're hitting a guy, and the only indication you have that you hit him is that the sound effect for the hit play. Yeah. Like <laughs> every, everything, everything feels very like underwatery and very um, mushy. Um, and the same thing happens where like, if you accidentally get into a fight with like a bunch of dudes, you're dead. Like there's no, way. Oh, yeah. and like there was a there was a point I remember. If you get swarmed, you're just. Oh yeah. I remember and then the, like your allies are like. That was a useless. They, I mean, they they make a big deal about like oh you can, you can uh, give them commands and you know Mass Effect style you can like give them commands you and tell them what to do too. and it's just like does he no good really? I mean, yeah, I mean sometimes you can tell them to like hang back and don't get killed and that helps but like. That's no, that's it. that's pretty accurate with this game too. Like you have to manually like trigger stuff like the, you like say one of your party members has the healing ability you're like well then heal me dude like so you set up like the healing but he won't heal you like on his own like you have to like go to this clunky menu and like select the heal and by that time like the game doesn't pause mm -hmm. and like literally this game like the enemies just swarm your ass so like just trying to like jab like a, a needle into your leg to get some health is like you're calculating in your mind how much time do i have before this enemy comes and like clubs me because the enemies take like half your oh, yeah. health when they hit you. So. I, re I remember one of the one of the skills I wanted first. I think it was. I think there's a one of the skills I wanted first was one that makes the uh, 
the, the you, you inject yourself faster. Oh. No, because, I, 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 I boosted it. Yeah, I Yeah, because I kept doing it, and then I would get hit in the middle of the injection animation. And you and lose die. it all. Yeah, and you yeah. die. Yeah. They, they sound, I've never played that game, but they sound very similar. Yeah, yeah, I think this might be just a reskin. In some yeah. Senses. There are, like, four different trees that you can choose yeah. from. There's, like, the Technomancer, which I thought, I'm like, duh, the game's called Technomancer. I should probably use Man, this one. That's more that of was a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> You're just enhancing the other tree you chose to focus on. Pretty much, yeah. Like, I ended up focusing on melee attacks because this game's really melee-driven. And so I ended up, I'm, like, probably halfway through that tree at this point, and one of the branches of the so tree is shield maxed. shield and club? Yep, yeah. shield and club. Yep, that's what I've gone with. Uh, there's like a stealth one that you can choose, and then sword there's sword and gun. Yeah, sword and gun. Yeah, and so staff. yep, that's it. So, yeah, they have those four. Uh, there's crafting in the game. Oh yeah, lots and lots Tons of, of crafting. crafting in the first one too. You're just um, slapping chitin pieces all over yourself. Yeah, um, it's like every everything that you have, you can assign like slots to. Mm-hmm. So it's like I did like your it. gun, like your your club will have like a slot on the end and a slot right. on the handle. I, I did like in the first one. I don't know if it's the same as in the first one. Like all the mods you could do, like really change the appearance. Oh of yeah, the stuff. of like, you I, and yeah. like your weapons. Yeah. And I will say, like, in this game, you feel it when you level up. Like, mm-hmm. you do feel a difference in your power in the game. Like, when you go up a level, like, and they tell you, they're like, make sure you choose wisely, because, and it, you don't get to level up, like, all the time. Like, mm-hmm. some, some of them, like, it'll take, like, three levels before you get another point to put into them. So, you do have to be kind of careful about where you put your points. There's no do-overs. You can't, like, go back and, like reassign your points or anything like that at least not that i've come into contact with yet uh the story obviously this is an rpg story is really important uh the story is basically there's humans on mars water is the most important commodity uh there are these elites who kind of run everything and everyone else is like camera motion isn't the most important commodity clearly (laughs) he's running up that stairway like the, the camera got caught behind like three objects yeah so there's like this. It's a, they they introduce it as a battle for water, but it's really not. It's really a battle between like these separate corporations that are all vying for control over this miserable existence that everybody has. <laughs> the future is gonna suck, folks. Uh, the writing is like, it's like I said earlier. Some one sentence is good, the next sentence is bad. I haven't really found too many characters I really care all that much about, to be honest with you. Um, including the lead character, he's kind of a piece of wood, and and also the main characters that are supposed to be your allies. Like, Man, a, she's got a mouth on her, doesn't she? Yeah. If you're reading the subtitle, it's mostly obscenity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of swearing. It's definitely an M-rated game. Um, graphically, you can see right there the lighting's terrible. Like mm-hmm. the shadows are all glitchy and everything. It seems to run at a pretty good frame rate. I haven't seen any dips or anything, but everything is gray, brown, dark. Um, there's really nothing exciting Mars. about the visuals. Yeah. Um, side quests. There's tons of side quests. The game is big. Like, I'm, you know, 20 hours into it. It seems like maybe I'm halfway done with the game. Maybe a little more over halfway done with it. Um, just based upon, like, looking at my trees and all that kind of stuff, it appears to be about halfway complete. Um, I'm enjoying it now, though. Like, I can't wait to go home tonight and play more of it. It took a long time to get to that place, and it took a lot of grinding to get there. So, I guess what I would say is if you're, like, waiting for the next action RPG and you love these open-world, crazy, deep games with crafting and 
imbuing your weapons with stuff and like building mm. your own character that kind of works with your fighting style mm. and stuff like that. As a Mass Effect fan, it's I, a good I found hole it, filler. Yeah, it's it's methadone to Mass Effect's heroin. Yeah, to some degree. It's like yeah. So you have like uh, you have like like Horizon Zero Dawn, Fallout Four. You have all these games, and then you have like, these gaps in between, mm. like. This game just kind of fills in that little divot in between. It doesn't rise it up to the re- level of the rest of the road, but it kind of fills it's, the puddle in with some gravel. It beats sitting on the couch looking at a TV that's off. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, as far as, like, buying this game, I would not pay $60 for this game. Mm-hmm. Although, look, I'm 20 hours in. I um, paid 15 bucks for Mars Warlogs, and I felt that was about I right. Could, I would probably pay a little more than that for this, honestly. Like this I, looks better, and it looks like the the staff combat and the combat has been flat. I mean, in the in the in the old game, you had a stick, yeah, and sometimes you upgraded that stick, yeah, but you fought with a stick, yeah. I mean, that was there was no variety in it. No, that's true. This one and too. a gun. You had a, you had a gun. Yeah, like, I mean, the guns in this are a little more robust because you can get sniper rifles or shotguns or handguns or machine guns. Yeah. So but this looks like they're really they're really trying to expand out what you can do in terms of the combat, even though even if it doesn't work yeah. every, every time. Yeah. I mean honestly I would probably pay forty dollars for this game. That's what it is on PC. Oh it is? Yeah. Well that's price right then. But on console it's on console it's sixty. Sixty. Yeah. I would buy the PC version. <laughs> <laughs> it probably looks and runs better anyway. Uh I don't know. I'm putting a cap on it though. At first, I was completely disappointed because I had mm-hmm. kind of fallen into the hype a little bit based on the trailers and everything. I love games like this. Initially, I was really disappointed, and I wanted to quit playing the game, and I stuck with it and fought through for a couple hours, and now I find it pretty rewarding. Um, the story's not really keeping me there, but I think what it is is the pacing is great. It's like mm-hmm. they're also really smart about where they put, like, how they design the missions inside the level. You never have to, like, travel, like, all the way across the world. It's like you get a mission, and, like, go talk to this person. And you look on your map, and you're like, oh, that person's only, like, 300 yards away. <laughs> and so you go and talk to that person, and then they send you back to the other person, and you get your goodies. And she's like, you should go talk to blah, blah, blah. And you're like, all right, I'll go talk to blah, blah, Where's blah. Where's he? Right there? Yep, all right. you look on the map, he's, like, 300 yards the other way. And it's just, it's very easy to just keep going. Like, I've found that I've stayed up way too late playing this game because, like, I'll complete something. Yeah, I saw you on, like, 2.30 in the morning the other day. I'll be in the midst of doing something, and I'll say to myself, okay, this is the last one I'm going to do. One more turn. Yeah, one more turn. And then I complete the mission, and she's like, you should go talk to that person. I'm like, well, (laughs) she's she's right there. Right there. And then it just... I can see them, right? (laughs) And that's actually a reason why I ended up grinding up levels is because Mm. it was so easy. Once the side mission started, it was so easy to just go bing, 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 bing. And to the point where, like, I didn't even realize that, like, I had not played, like, a real, like, mission for, like, five or six hours. (laughs) I kind of thought I was on the main path, but then I actually found the main path, and I was like, oh, man, I just burned a lot of time doing side missions. But it's for me, it's made the game far more enjoyable doing it. So... And I do think, uh, I mean, I haven't played this, but I did get the impression from Mars Warlogs that, like, the developer uh, Spiders? Yeah, Spiders. It's called Spiders? <laughs> all right. Uh, I get the impression yeah. that, like, for all its jank, like, they seem to really have their heart in this world. In yeah. This game. Like, they believe in it. Like, they yeah. believe what they're making is is something worth doing, worth making, worth telling. You can see. And I appreciate that. You can see. Anything. It's so close. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'm not even, like, being conceited or whatever, like... 
if they had just brought you or I in there for like a month to let us play that game, that game would be so much better. There's just so many little things about it mm -hmm. that if they could tweak it would make a huge difference. And so one little turn of the kaleidoscope. Yeah, like I said, just like providing some feedback with combat so you know the rhythm of combat. Like I played it for 20 hours and I still don't feel like I understand like what I'm supposed to be doing other than just whacking like the square and triangle button like Little stuff like that could have mm. made a world of difference. It's one of those games that you play and you're just like, why? Why? <laughs> why didn't you just call me? Just send me the build. We could have made great music together. Like, it's a shame. But on the flip side of it, you know, if they actually do listen to fan feedback, they could patch this game and get it to a really good yeah. place. So I wouldn't write it off completely yet. And like I said, I feel like it's worth $40 if you like these kinds of games. If you don't like these kinds of games, you won't make it past the first probably three hours of this game. Like, period. Like, this is not like the gateway open world yeah, action you, you RPG. Got, you really, you got to want to be here. Yeah, you really, you really do. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... I also like it because the, saying the title reminds me of Tech Romancer. Yeah, yeah. Which so, is one of my favorite Capcom fighting games. Yeah, that has yeah. nothing to do with anything. Yep. Yeah, so I'm enjoying it now. I guess is the best way yeah. to put it. I hated it at first. If people on Twitter were probably like, "Oh my god!" Like, That's how I remember Mars Warlogs as well. So, like, I think you've had the Mars Warlogs experience. And I got over the hump somehow, and now that I am, I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, I can't wait to go home tonight mm -hmm. and play it more. Um, so, people who were hyped about this game and excited about this game, don't be completely discouraged. Just mm -hmm. know that if you want to really get to the point where it's enjoyable, you're going to have to endure a little bit. Yeah. And actually, you know, like from what you're describing, if you're not sure if you're on the fence. Pick up Mars War if you're on PC. Oh yeah, you probably get that for on ten PC, bucks. On PC, pick or... up Mars Warlogs for real cheap, and if you like it, you'll probably like the Technomancer. That's a good point. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. They I'm... seem to be almost the same game. It sounds like it. I'm shocked by the things that you just yeah. said. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Pretty much all of them. So maybe yeah. it does sound like an expansion pack. Maybe it's a bit for of a demo. Game. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. My game eval. I'm not sure when it's going to go up. Like I said, I'm 20 hours deep. Um, I don't know. I haven't really read to see how long it took anyone else to finish it or anything like that. I have no way of knowing. It looks like I'm about two-thirds of the way through the game, but we'll see. Uh, when I'm ready, I will put up the game value, and you'll see it on Sifted. So with that, it's time to go to our trailer of the week. Again, as I mentioned earlier, it has been a slow week in the industry, but today we were saved by a trailer that was released today. By the today. worst kept secret. By the worst kept secret. Well, there's been a lot of been worst a lot of bad, <laughs> secret, bad kept secret, but this one... This one was really bad. I mean, I'm, uh, this one, like, on Facebook, there's been people just talking to Ken Levine, like, openly. I was like, what about this? And he's like, can't. I don't know if they're making it. I don't, I'm not involved. I don't, and, but, like, everyone's just sort of assumed that this thing exists. Well, then 2K's own hand was forced because it blew it itself on its own website. <laughs> so, yesterday, it, and we're, by the way, we're talking about the Bioshock collection. We haven't mentioned that Bioshock yet. Bioshock collection. Yeah. yeah. Yesterday, it leaks that, like, they accidentally put it up on their website, and I guess after that, they're just, like, screw it. And so oh, today, mm -hmm. up goes the debut trailer for the Bioshock Collection. Obviously, PC players who played the PC version of these games probably don't care at all. I think there is an upgrade. Like, like Maybe Skyrim. a little. Sky, well, I think, I, I heard there was going to be, like, a Skyrim-style, like, if you already own the games, there's, like, an upgrade. It's free, yeah, you PC. get it free, yeah, on PC, so. But for console players, this is, I think... And you'll see it in this trailer, a pretty huge step up, particularly Bioshock 1. Yeah, even if it's just the PC version ported, the difference between the, the console Bioshock 1 and PC Bioshock 1 is night and day. Yep. So worth, anyway. Worth doing again. Yep. So here it is, the debut trailer for the Bioshock collection. Get those questions in now. I am Andrew Ryan. 
and I'm here to ask you a question. Is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? Look, Mr. Bubbles. It's an angel. Symmetry, dear Steinman. It's time we did something about symmetry. Rapture is a body, Delta. I am the voice. And Big Sister is the hand. When Rapture speaks of you, it says only this. Your day is done. The seed of the prophet. <laughs> Bring us the gum. And wipe away the dead. He will abandon you, my sweet Elizabeth. Once he has what he needs, he will leave you alone. We swim in different oceans, but land on the same shore. And it always starts with a lighthouse. Looking yeah. pretty darn good. Looking sharp. Director's commentary. Yeah, that's right. That's it. another bonus. There's yeah. director's commentary. Um, is, it, is, that Ken, really, is Ken going to do Ken, that? Yeah, Ken's it is Ken. It. Yeah, he's, he's really interesting to listen to because he's always got reasons for everything he does. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember the first time I ever met him, I was interviewing him at GDC after uh, he'd won all that stuff for Bio, all the stuff for Bioshock at the GDC awards, and like um, I was super like. Like nervous about it because it's. I was like, oh, he's probably like one of those really smart like writer people. And like, he is. He's he is. But like, <laughs> but I, was, I thought he was gonna be like, oh, he probably like only works in games because like this is this is the only way, way to like express his art. And like right. I was just worried he'd be like a soup because like you know, it's, Bioshock is so much about like kind of the Anne Rand sort of objective and like yeah. it has a lot of ideas. It has a lot of stuff. It's about with a capital A. For real. And I was yeah. just like, this guy like probably like is like way smarter than everybody. You know, I was I was intimidated to talk to this guy, and he was like really intense with everything. And I wasn't sure. I'm like, oh wow, like that dude must just be like, wow, so like, so awesome compared to like the rest of us kind of thing. And then I saw him do the keynote at PAX, where he's just like, I was a total nerd and I played D and D in a basement, and that was the only way I stayed sane all through high school. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, Ken Levine is one of us. I didn't know how did I? Oh, I made so many assumptions. He like, definitely like, is. Yeah. And you know, and I, I did a panel with him with with Sester at one point. So like, and he was he's like the nicest, like he's a great coolest dude. dude. Yeah. I mean. I mean, cool in terms of, you know, we're not cool, but, yeah. <laughs> like, but he's, he's cool in that he's fun to talk to and hang right, out with yeah. him. He knows tons of stuff, and he's got a lot of cool opinions about things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's cool. To, I'm glad, I, I, I would buy this just to listen to his commentary on these games, because I think uh, he's going to have a lot oh, of Oh, that commentary will be amazing, yeah. man. Yeah. I, it's hard to believe that they, they got him to do that, to be honest. Like... He's kind of over the whole Bioshock thing at this point. So. Yeah, but there's there's things I'm over that I would still go back and record an hour-long commentary track about just because I like to hear myself talk. Yeah. So. <laughs> you <laughs> not don't that, not, say. Not that Ken's like that. But. All right. Here's the first question from W. Matthew. Uh, given the RX 480 is better than 970 performance for $200, will most likely be baseline in most of the off-the-shelf PCs in a year. Why would I ever buy a console? The only console exclusive I care about, Persona 5, will most likely come to PC in a year, given Sega's track record. Okay, Sega doesn't uh, publish Persona. Yes, yeah, I mean, Sega and Atlas are the same company. Oh, that's right, degree. they are now, that's right. Uh, but Atlas stuff doesn't really come to... You know, Sega doesn't seem to really have forced their PC port 
mentality on. I would I would not bet on Persona Five coming to PC in a time. There's matter. never been a Persona on PC, has there? Not that I can think of. I feel I like I would own it. it if they were. Yeah. Unless they're like really little spin-off things or something. Yeah, I don't not remember Persona series. ever being on PC. If Persona Four was on PC, I'd have it. Believe you yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I would not bet on that. Uh, I wouldn't either. Yeah, but, I wouldn't place but, any money on Persona no. coming to PC. But beyond that, uh, excellent point. Excellent question. Like, you're right. Well, I mean, look, if he doesn't care about any of the exclusives on consoles, which I have a hard time believing, but if that's... I, don't, I, don't, I can't imagine a world in which I wouldn't want to play Horizon Zero Dawn. Or frankly. a ton of other games, like yeah, but Uncharted just like, 4 or whatever. Like, I just you don't... You go on and on. Or I would Nintendo first-party stuff, or... Well, there's not a whole lot from Microsoft anymore. But look, Everything Microsoft's doing is on PC. So yeah, that, that's, that's irrelevant. Really the, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... The funny if for whatever reason the, you really aren't interested in anything that's on Nintendo or Sony systems, then yeah, why, then yeah, why would I mean, you? Why would you ever buy a console? I don't know how you couldn't be interested in anything for either of those platforms, though. Like, I mean, the argument could be made that you... Unless you know, you're only... Just a, on PC, you have... Plenty to play in the average yeah. lifespan of a human being. Yeah. Uh, out, you know, without also playing exclusives from Sony or whatever. I mean, but. if you don't care about playing some of the best games ever made, I mean, that's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, it's a caveat. Sure. I can see if you're just a huge fan of like real time strategy games, then sure, there's no reason you should ever own a console, but to not own a console you're depriving yourself literally of the some of the best games ever and look i started as a pc gamer the apple 2e and commodore 64 and all that like i'm not like a console zealot or anything i'm just telling you if you're not playing consoles you're missing a lot of the best games ever made that's just the truth so if you don't want to play those games sure there is no reason to ever own a console but i would wager that most people want to play those games so but 200 bucks. I mean, look, that card is amazing. The performance that they're getting out of that card for 200 bucks. To go back to the first part of your question, it's incredible. Like, they're saying that like it was competing with like a 1080, like Ti, mm-hmm. or so a 980, I, I, 980 the, Ti. 970 it was outperforming like um, across the board. Yeah, I mean the the performance they're getting out of that thing, and it's also set up to become to work well with DirectX 12. So it's mm-hmm. also kind of like future proofed. Um, a lot of the benchmark articles that I read said that, you know, the performance that they're getting on, like, DirectX 11 is way worse than what they were getting on DirectX 12. So it's actually, like, future-proof to be better as more games move to DirectX 12. So, yeah, I mean, there's no arguing that that card is a great deal and an amazing piece of tech. So yeah. that part I definitely agree with. You got another one? Uh, Eric Estrada 12 asks now that King of Fighters uh, 14 is looking better and has been getting a lot of hype do you think it has a chance to rise and be on par with Street Fighter in the fighting community no No. (laughs) (laughs) I love King of Fighters I love the SNK games I've always loved them ever going all the way back to Fatal Fury and the original arcades uh, they will never catch on the way Street Fighter has just because the community likes what it likes Yeah, I, I can't imagine a revolution in which King of Fighters somehow becomes that popular. The way I look at it is, there's a reason King of Fighters games have like 50 fighters in them. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong, 14 feels great. 14 yeah. feels like the Street Fighter 4 of King of Fighters, but that still puts it kind of in you know the the, the lower echelon. I mean, it's still in the Guilty Gear popularity realm. I, think. I enjoyed what I played of it at E3. So if you're a it's fan, good. I think you're yeah. gonna like it. It's no reservation. Fast and like, in my personal opinion. 
I like some of the characters a lot, but the vast majority of them I don't care about at all. Right. Like, I feel like there's lots of really bad, like, character designs in that game. Yeah. I mean... Some of them I look I, at, I'm like, you I think made the, that up. I think the nicer way to put it is there's something for everyone. <laughs> if you want to play a tiny Freddy Krueger, you're, you're good. If yeah, you want to play what, a... What the hell? Uh, some of the characters in that game are just so weird. SNK has, doesn't have a whole lot of rules. When it comes to who can be what, it's in almost what like game. they just put it in like a random character generator and just spit it out. It's like let's back just in the these old parts into an algorithm. Back in the old King of Fighters days, sometimes it felt like that, and you were hit, and there were, were moments, especially around like ninety seven, ninety eight, where you're like, you just needed three people. Yeah. On this, you know, because the, the, the whole gimmick was that you had teams of three, right. and every like, at the time it was like every every country had three had a team of three, and there was a point at which like. So we needed like a Korean team, and so we had Kim Kapwon, who was already in the game, and then they added the the the, the guy with the Freddy Krueger claws and the guy with the wrecking ball, and I'm just like, okay, sure, why not? Yeah. So I think there was a lot of uh, just get just get it done back in the day, and those characters have persisted because people love things they grew up with. Uh, let's see. Here's one from Vin Hill. If you guys could choose any studio to work on any game, who and what would it be? Hmm. I love that question. It really makes your brain go... Well, I'm just trying to figure out who I want to make the TIE Fighter game. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of the developers I like to make that game don't exist anymore. Um, I honestly... You know, like... I, would, I would like to see the God of War guys do a Jedi game. Okay. That'd be good. That'd be really good. I would like to give anything to Naughty Dog, pretty much. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, any old franchise that I love that's just, like, falling off the map, like, I would just give it to them to see what they could do with it. Mm -hmm. A more specific example, I know no one's going to care about this, but I would like to see Treyarch do a Star Siege Tribes game. Hmm. To all that three of you know what Star Siege Tribes is. I know what Star Siege Tribes is. Yeah. Because, um, like, right now, like, High res Studio owns, like, the IP, and, like, mm -hmm. they made a free-to-play version of Tribes. It was okay, but it still doesn't have, like, the spirit, and it doesn't have, in all honesty, like, really tight gameplay. Or maybe it would be better to give it to, like, Sledgehammer, who did, like, uh, Advanced Warfare. Yeah. It might be, even be the better bet. But I would love to see a modern FPS developer take on Tribes. Tribes is probably my favorite first-person shooter ever. Um, and despite all the traversal that you're seeing in first-person shooters right now, there's still nothing compared to what you could do in Tribes back in, like, 1997, I think it was, when it came out. So, hmm. that's what I'd like to see. But anything to Naughty Dog. Like, any old franchise. Like, I might even care about Crash Bandicoot if I knew Naughty Dog was making it. It didn't work, a lot, work the first time they did it. No, but that was, like, 20-some <laughs> years yeah. ago and a whole different group of people, but... Hmm. Hmm. Um, here's one from Snowpiercer. Do you ever see Sony stooping down to Microsoft to accept... <laughs> stooping down. Loaded question. Do you ever see Sony stooping down to Microsoft to accept the cross-platform offer that they proposed a few months back? No. I Probably don't. not. They don't have any They don't need to. to. They have no incentive to do that whatsoever. That's... The only... The only company who would benefit from that is Microsoft. Yep. That's it. 
Like Sony Microsoft has nothing like, to gain. Look how open-minded we are. You yeah, know? And, it's like Microsoft just needs more people in its multiplayer games. Sony's like, <laughs> yeah. we don't need more people. We're good, bro. Like, That's not gonna help Halo Five. I mean, it, yeah, exactly. Like in all honesty, like it sucks that Sony isn't playing ball, so to speak. Like, I'll add a follow-up question to that. Do you think Halo Six will be play anywhere? Windows Ten? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think there'll be any Xbox exclusives anymore. They, they, mm. they. I think they've made that abundantly clear. Yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. That would be a big deal. I will say that, you know, there are several games that were announced for PC after the fact, but that hasn't happened with Halo 5 yet. And they did just come out and say that Halo will never come to PC. Halo 5 will never come to PC. Mm -hmm. But I think by the time Halo 6 comes out, once people have gotten... Because, look, a lot of people bought an Xbox One for Halo. Like, some of the other games that have gone to PC, like, not so much. But Halo is a console driver for Microsoft. So... I feel like it's going to be a little more cautious with, with that to avoid fan fee, uh, blowback, but uh, I think the next Halo, we'll see it on PC, like day and date with like Xbox One or Scorpio or whatever the hell it's called. Hmm. Uh, you find anything else? Any other questions? I saw someone say I'm going to ask the same questions I asked last week, but I didn't see their question again. <laughs> I had one, but I lost it. What the hell? It was Dyson XP who said he was going to share the same question. Oh, here's one from someone new. Tap89, welcome to the stream. I hope you're having a good time. Uh, what did you guys think of the Friday the 13th gameplay trailer that was shown before E3? Um, that's one where Jason was just walking around and like, he exploded through the door. Yeah, killing and, yeah. people, and, and it, was, it was like he was basically on, like, infinite cooldown mode or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think it looks kind of rough. I think it looks ass. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to see how it plays more, because it seems to be making, yeah. like, because Jason can, like, teleport and stuff, it looks like. You know, yeah. You can, which, you know, look, in, in slasher movies, the, the killer cheats. Yeah. We, we all know yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So if they can make that a compelling and interesting multiplayer experience, I did like a couple of the things where like the guy had to hide under the bed and you didn't know if he was going to find you. Or yeah, not. that's scary. There's some cool stuff in yeah. there. Um, it just looks like it's a, it has a long way to go. Yeah, I wouldn't expect to see that game until the end of next year at the earliest. Like it looks really early and really mm -hmm. rough. Like I know our boy Adam Sessler's working on it. But well, that's, that's, that's I'm why. I'm telling the truth. It looked bad to me. I feel like he is also going to tell the truth yeah. to the people he, he's working with. I haven't even seen him do anything for that game for a while. They've been putting out media and he's been not a while, in it. Yeah. So I don't know if he decided to sever his relationship there. No, not that I know of, but I mean, I mean, he was busy with Bethesda and all right. this other stuff he was doing in right. D3, so it's not like he had time. Really. Well, there's also the other slasher game that's like done already, this like mm -hmm. 4v1 asymmetrical multiplayer. Is The name of it is totally escaping me right now, though. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Like, that definitely looks way more polished. It's way further ahead. Oh, it's driving me crazy. I can't remember the name of it. But, yeah, there's, it's, like, literally, like, coming out, like, soon. And it looks polished and, like, finished and, and yeah. So what's going to happen is that game is going to come out, and then Friday the 13th is going to have a lot to live up to, and it might just end up being delayed again. Hmm. Uh, do you plan on playing the Bioshock collection? This is from the stand user. What is your favorite Bioshock game? Bioshock 1 is my favorite Bioshock game. Same. 
Um, I would love if I were just a consumer, I would definitely play it. I just don't see with work me having time to go back and play mm-hmm. games I've already played. I will probably play Bioshock One again if, if, if you get the free update or whatever on PC. I will probably play Bioshock One again just to see it because I love that game and I can play it. I could, I can. That's one of the few games I could probably just play over and over a few times in a row. I love that game to death. Um, we have someone saying. The Sander Cohen lethal section migraine is one of my inside his game of the year so far. That's the lethal migraine hmm. saying. So the Sander Cohen section of Bioshock is one of my favorite sections of a video game ever. I just loved everything about that game. It was mm-hmm. so different. It put me at odds with myself. Like you know, a lot of games talk about moral choice, and there's a moral choice in uh, in the in uh, in the Technomancer as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's. I haven't seen any consequences from it yet, yeah. to be honest with you, but it's are they, there. Are they still doing the thing in the Technomancer where like everybody's got like weird names that like weird like kind of religious virtue names? No. No, because uh-huh. in the first game there was like this group no, of people. No, my main my main companion's name is Scott. Oh, okay, because my your main companion at the beginning of Mars Warlogs is named Innocence. No, it's not like that. <laughs> okay. But anyway, what I was talking about is that a lot, of, a lot of games talk about how they have moral choice and moral decisions to make, and a lot of times like I just kind of blow them off while I'm playing the game, but with Bioshock, like, I sat there and I thought hard, long and hard, man, before I made every mm-hmm. decision. Like, it was not easy. So, that's what I love the most about it. But, yeah, I just don't think I'll have the time to go back and play it, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, Nemnik asks, have you gotten anything on the Steam sale? No, I haven't bought no. anything. I bought some stuff. Um, what have I been playing? I, played, I bought Subnautica. Um, which is like a scuba diving on another planet yeah, simulator. And yeah, you can, like, I'm familiar with it. You can build stuff and build like an underwater base and stuff. And I haven't played mu- with it much because I only just got back. But uh, I've been uh, eyeing that game for a while, and it was it's like eleven ninety nine now, I think, and that was the right price for me. So yeah, I saw some great deals. I was blown away by some of the deals. Yeah, I might still pick up Layers of Fear before the the sale's over. Dead by Daylight. That was the game I was thinking of. Mm, okay. uh, thanks, Case Money and Eric Estrada. Uh, Swanson, what is your opinion on the X1s being not so slim? What does that mean? Apparently, they're not actually 40% smaller. Oh, really? So, wait, that graphic that we saw where it like showed it like shrinking down, yeah, that's I like I don't know what the, what the real percentage is. But I, I saw I've, it, though. I saw the console. It is much, much smaller, yeah. And their booth. I filmed it. Like I, I think this might be, maybe it's like 38% smaller oh. or something like that. I don't know. It is way it's smaller. It's a lot smaller. It's much yeah. smaller. I mean, I've seen it and touched it, and it's way smaller. Like, maybe, it, yeah, it's like a percent or two off what mm-hmm. they said, but it, it it's, it's a, a big difference, yeah. like a noticeable big difference when you see it in person all right make this one short odin five asks will the penguins ever let my capitals win a stanley cup hell no (laughs) (laughs) you know that's not happening you're gonna have to go through another team yeah not gonna get through the penguins in the playoffs that's for sure all right one more question if we got it if we can find one uh vmgg or them gg uh, do you think the nx will have a new gimmick do you think nintendo will finally make a new competitive gaming system well i think that was answered this week it does have a gimmick because they're afraid they'll co- people copy yeah it. it definitely has a gimmick they also said that they're going after kids which is really Uh-oh. scary yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like wait you weren't before <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell like, are you trying to say you're going after adults before this like 
Yeah, I mean, I, you may, you must have missed it, but it's on Sifted if you go look. But yeah, so Miyamoto did an interview with it was the AP Associated Press, I think it was. Maybe I don't remember. I can't remember what the outlet was. I think it was the AP, and uh, it was like an overall story on like the evolution of gaming consoles and what's happening with them. And they were lucky enough to get a quote from Miyamoto, and basically what he said is like. The reason we didn't show an X at E3 is because there's something we're working on that we're afraid people will steal, a.k.a. it has a gimmick. Mm-hmm. That's just read right between the lines right there. Or at or the very least, it's something we've seen before that's being done in a new way that yeah. they, think some, they think someone could replicate. I'm not saying the whole thing's going to be a gimmick, right. but there's a gimmick. Like Somewhere in there, there's something I mean, that they're afraid someone's going to steal. Motion controls we'd seen before. Uh, you know, second screen we'd seen before, touch screen we'd seen before. It's not yeah. like they were. It's how they know, use doesn't them. mean it's original. Doesn't mean it's something we've never seen before. It just right. means that they're doing it in a different configuration. Or they could be applying something to games that hasn't been applied to games before. Or they could be all holograms. <laughs> Nintendo. What else did it say? There was another little nugget that came out this week about NX. Oh, I can't remember what it was. Mm. But uh, yeah. They say that there's some kind of something about NX that uh, is keeping them from unveiling it. They did say that... I did like the, the, the CD Projekt Red developer who said it was going to be amazing, and then it turned out later he was just kidding. He, he was no, kidding? He, he knows nothing about it. He's like, I, I was just messing around or something. It was he like, had no bro. idea like how the internet Oh, is. no, the, the, tw- the Twitterverse just <laughs> latched <laughs> onto... Yeah. Poor guy. He doesn't get how desperate Nintendo fans are right now. He was just basically saying, like, oh, I'm sure it'll be great, but, like, everybody assumed he had oh some kind of inside it's knowledge. Translate, it's probably a translation yeah. thing or whatever. Yeah. I think he was speaking English. Oh, he but was? He, but he, he basically, I think it was basically, like, he, basically he was kind of trying to say he had faith oh. Nintendo would do something cool, and everybody assumed he'd already gotten his hands on womp, it. Womp, womp, Yeah. <laughs> It's gonna, hard time gonna, to be going to be a long man. financial year, folks. Especially, oh, God, if the NX gets delayed past March. It's just going to go on Well, no, they on said that on. it was. They said it's on. That was the other thing I want to mention, too, is that they did say it is still on for March of 2017. Yeah, Zelda they just was, said that, like, yesterday. Yeah, and Zelda so. was still on t- for 2016. Right, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See how that goes. All right, folks. That's going to do it for episode 55 of Game Face right here on Sifted Games at sifted.net. Hope you guys have enjoyed your time on the live stream or watching the archive. Uh... Don't blow your hand off this weekend with fireworks. (laughs) Do not celebrate freedom by ruining your life. Yeah. I was at a 4th of July party one time where a guy peeled his scalp halfway off with fireworks. He he dug a big hole. I don't don't get invited to the same parties he does. This was before I ever even lived in California. This was me me and my friends. Was this in Philly? This was actually in rural Pennsylvania in a place called Ohio Pile, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. Say that again. Ohio Pile. Ohio Pile? Yeah. It was like a place where you could go whitewater rafting. And every year, me and my friends, like literally, like me and like 300 friends would go to this campground and literally just stay there all weekend and whitewater raft and have like a keg party and whatnot on July 4th weekend. And uh, one, it got so big at a certain point where people started showing up, we didn't even know. <laughs> we are just like, who are these people? And the last year we did it, there was probably half of the people there we didn't even know. And it had ballooned to like four or 500 people. It was completely out of control. And these people showed up. And like normally we had like bottle rockets and like firecracker and just dumb fireworks. Like you, you can't buy fireworks like in Pennsylvania. They're illegal. You can only buy like sparklers and stuff. And these guys show up with like mortars, dude. Like they had fireworks that were like this big around and like that thick. 
And so we would all get together on the 4th of July and like we'd have dinner and then we'd set off the fireworks and drink some beers or whatever. Well, it's like a big circle. And so these guys show up and they're like, are you cool if we set off our fireworks? And we were like, sure, why not? So they start digging a hole, dude. And they dig a <laughs> hole like this deep and like this big around. And like, we have to dig this, to, like set off the fireworks in case they go sideways, like it could hurt somebody. And so they set off a bunch of them. Like they set off like four or five of them. And like, they were literally like, you felt like your body compressed when they went off. Like, cause they're like 30 feet away. Mm -hmm. But they put them in the hole, they light them, everyone run away, and boom, they go off. And bah. Well, they lit like the fifth one or the sixth one or whatever, and nothing happened. It just sat there. And like literally, like we were way overprotective. We're like, don't you go anywhere near that hole for at least like 15 minutes or whatever. And the guys were kind of jerks and they're like, oh, you're being my mom or whatever. So they like argued with us, and like after like it was literally like five or six minutes. Before, like, look, dude, we're going to look at the firework. And I'm like, I ain't doing it. And they're like, well, we will. And the dude walks over, looks in the hole, and the firework goes off. And it flies up and hits him in the head. He turns and looks at us, and his scalp is pulled all the way to the top of his head. <laughs> and we are out in the middle of nowhere. And there's, like, two people who sit at a cabin, like, where you come in who are, like, have a phone. Like, this is before cell phones, mm -hmm. dude. So we, like, drive this guy down there. Like, they come in and, like, lift him out of there with a helicopter. And, like, and then that was it. That was the end of our Ohio pile rafting trips that we did. Wow. So be very careful with fireworks as weekend lifters. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever find out what happened to him? Yeah. Yeah. I, he ended up, like, someone sent us a picture of him or whatever. He was screwed up for life, dude. Like, his one eyebrow was, like, higher than the other one. Because, like, that is so yeah. scalp-like back together. Like, it wasn't good, dude. Heed the warning. Be careful with the fireworks this weekend, kids. Don't mix bigger just, fireworks. Just, just have another burger. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. Don't... Or a hot dog or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, everyone have a safe, happy, fun July 4th. Don't drink and drive. Take an Uber. Get a designated driver, whatever. We want to see your asses back on the website most next of, week. Most of the people watching this are in Europe anyway. They're not going <laughs> to do that. I don't know. I think we have a pretty even split with the U.S. and Europe. But... Uh, for those of you in Europe, just have one hell of a weekend. Yeah. Do the best that you can. Uh, we appreciate you guys staying up late or getting up early, as it were, to check out the show with us. Uh, we'll see you guys on the site all this week. Game Face is up and out.